This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. This is A's Cast Live. Your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Goal for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. Pete Alonso. He's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Oh, it is so good to be back. I can tell you we have missed you. And a lot has been going on in Major League Baseball. And I will tell you this, for all the naysayers, for all the people who are worried about how this thing was going to go and, you know, it's too many teams and get off my lawn. I don't want this much baseball. I just want X amount of teams. I just want it to stay the same way it's always been. Don't make change, whatever you do. I hope you understand you're being proven wrong. This has been so good for the sport that we love to have baseball on every single night. I mean, it's been incredible. Every day, basically, you get to turn on and watch a playoff baseball game being played at a high level. And they have been smart at times to not play on the weekend. Fine. Well, football will give you college, pro, which, by the way, football is starting to get dicey. LSU, Florida, their game over the weekend has been canceled. Uh, Football games have been moved. We're going to see. And cross your fingers. We pray for them. Hope they can get through their season. But the fact that, I mean, Monday through whatever, I get to turn on and I got a baseball game. It's been glorious. And essentially, when the Rays knock out the Houston Astros, and we are all rooting for that, whether you're Mike Fires or you're Aroldis Chapman or you're Clayton Kershaw, or how about Mike Bolsinger, whose last major league appearance was at Minute Maid Park August of 2017 when he faced eight Astros and couldn't get anybody out. They all knew it was coming. He never pitched in the big leagues again. There are 28 teams that are not involved in the series that are everybody who works for those teams, everybody around those teams, their fan bases are all Tampa Bay Rays fans and would love to see the Rays close it out tonight and get this thing over with. I guarantee you there's a lot of people like that. And you know what? I'm one of them. 
But the fact that we've had baseball every single day and the action every single day has just been, it's been phenomenal. And we tried to tell you, we tried to tell you this a tournament style. We as American sports fans, we love tournaments. The NCAA tournament, NFL playoffs, college football, basketball, hockey, you name it, they're tournaments, and they're exciting. But when the Rays knock the Astros out, because let's face it, 38 times, league championship series, team down 0-3, only one has come back, and we know it's the it's the Red Sox in 0-4 with our man Dave Roberts on the bench right now for the Dodgers, friend of the program. You just don't come back from 03, especially against the Rays, who are so tough. So we're going to have the Dodgers and the Braves at 305, and then we're going to have the Rays and the Astros at 540. And seeing the Astros finally gone, there's going to be a lot of people that go, yeah, because them going on, there's a lot of people not happy about it. But the Rays are just so tough. The Braves are so tough. But but my whole point that I wanted to start with today, when the Rays out the Astros, it's it's basically chalk. The fear has always been, oh, my God, you could have a team that's under 500 win the World Series. That would be the worst thing for our game. I mean, how many times do we hear that? Don't worry. The, the, the best of the best. The Rays were the number one seed. They're, knock on wood, going to represent the American League in the World Series. And then in Arlington right now, how about seeing fans in the stadium? You know, we've watched a lot of football fans in the stadium. Now how the ballpark has fans in Arlington, there's going to be fans at the World Series. But Dodgers were the one seed, Braves were the two seed. So the whole fear that we were, we were going to see some it was going to be Bush League. This is not how bad. It's a 162-game season. You know, you're so blah, 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 all that stuff we heard. Don't worry. You're getting what you wanted in the first place. Because the playoffs, unless you do something that's so historic crazy, the best teams win. So you're either going to have the number one seed Rays take on the number one or number two seed Dodgers or Braves and probably the Braves. Buster Olney from ESPN came on the program, I want to say it was last week, and I said, you can buy stock in any team, not the Dodgers. And he said, I'll take the Braves. Didn't say the Rays, didn't say the Yankees, he said the Braves. And Buster's right. Right now, these Atlanta Braves, they are hot, and boy, do we have a treat for you today. Ron Washington. Legendary coach for the Oakland Athletics, now doing his thing down in Atlanta, is going to join us at 1.30. We're going to pay tribute to a Bay Area guy who was one of the greatest baseball players of all time, and it's sad we lost him, the great Joe Morgan, the Hall of Famer, two-time MVP. Ken Korak and I did an interview with Joe Morgan when we were celebrating the 1972 World Series as baseball was being delayed because of COVID-19. We are going to replay that interview for you today at 2 o'clock in honor of Joe Morgan, who was so special and such a, a, such a class act. And, you know, if you're of a certain age, you know, Joe Morgan was Sunday night baseball. Joe Morgan was the playoffs. You know, some of you don't remember him as a player, but you remember him as a great broadcaster. We will honor the late, great Joe Morgan today at 2 o'clock. 
And then it's Wednesday. Well, we all know what Wednesday means. It's a Fossey day. Ray Fossey will be here at 2.30. And then at 3.30, we will head to San Diego, and we'll talk to Dave Wills, who we've had on the program before. He's a great broadcaster. They're play-by-play guy. He'll be here at 3.30. And, oh, yes, going to San Diego, the Rays have traveled their radio broadcasters. And it's great. I can tell you, uh, if you have Sirius XM, now I have XM, and it's Channel 89 is the MLB radio. And what they've been doing is, you know, the national broadcast, they don't carry because I want to say that's uh, on ESPN radio. But what they can carry is they're carrying the home broadcast. So I've been able to listen to Dave Wills and his partner, doing Tampa Bay Radio. We'll talk to him about that at 3.30, and we'll get the skinny from Petco Park. So there you have it. Ron Washington at 1.30, Joe Morgan at 2, Ray Fossey at 2.30, Dave Wills at 3.30. Just a programming note to let you know. A's Cast Live, that is our live radio show, or I should say streaming show, that we air during the year and in the offseason. The only reason we're doing Monday and Friday today is because some personal stuff for us that uh, we had to do. Uh, But starting next week, we'll be back to Monday, Thursday. We'll be on every Monday and Thursday, taking you all the way into December. And then right before Christmas, we'll go on a little hiatus and we'll get back and running in January, taking you all the way up to the the start of spring training. Because we don't know what the offseason is going to look like. You know, we were all jacked about going to the winter meetings in December in Dallas. But, you know, no news about how that's going to work. I'm assuming they're going to do something virtual. So we're not going to go away. We'll keep you updated on all the action. Of course, every team's going to have changes. They're going to have players coming. They're going to have players going. We're going to cover that. We'll cover all 30 teams, including everything changes-wise that's going to happen with your Oakland Athletics. We will be all over it every Monday, every Thursday from 1 to 4, and then we'll replay the show then from 4 to 7 o'clock. Commander Cody, back on the air. How are you? I'm doing well. These uh, these playoffs have been exciting. Uh, I will say I'm a little shocked that you didn't tune in for the first installment of Tuesday Night Football last night between the Bills and Titans, but I watched football. both. Yeah, football. football on a Tuesday is very, very weird, and it was the Bills and Titans of all teams playing on a Tuesday night. That's a great audience you're trying to capture with those two teams. But the Astros-Rays game last night, I couldn't be happier for my good friend Kevin Cash, or as I call him, Cashy. Uh, they're one game away from eliminating the the team that I thought everyone always loved, the Cinderella. Well, this is the first time ever that a Cinderella is the most hated team in the uh, playoff field, it being the Astros. So, Oh, this is the villain Cinderella. This is like evil Cinderella. You know, there was like a Superman and an evil Superman. This is like the evil, evil Cinderella. And she's about to get knocked out, even though she's hit more home runs. She has more hits. And it couldn't be any better to do it tonight down at Petco against Zach Greinke. The guy that they traded for to put them over the hump. And he his playoff numbers lately stink. So it would be... It would just be so much fun to watch. Now, the Rays, the the thing that I don't like, but we may not have that problem, is, you know, you win too early and then you sit. 
Because if they win tonight, it's going to be five days until the World Series. Now, that's not the longest layoff anyone's ever have. I have a list for you. We'll get to that later. But, you know, if that happens then, then I'd like to see the Braves oust the Dodgers quickly. And so we're not – so basically it will be uh, Braves have four days off. The the Rays would have five. And then, then you're on equal footing because what we have seen in the past – which you don't like, is when one team has a ton of time off and the other team doesn't, and it really reflects on how the series goes. I I don't, I mean, I just don't want to see that. I don't want to have the series. I want everybody on equal footing because, you know, I, I heard, I've had a buddy go, you know, if this if this happens, and then it's not going to be a high-rated series. I go, you know what? I, I, I don't buy that. I, I believe... Because of everything that's happened and because there's still a lot of people who don't have jobs, there's a lot of people who are working from home, uh, you put baseball games out. I mean, what else is new on television right now? I mean, it, 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 unless you're one of these Netflix, Hulu people, or whatever, there's no new productions really of anything. If you want new, you got to have sports. That's what's new. So I think you could put anybody in the World Series and it's going to get good numbers. Because the numbers so far, what we have learned, people are watching baseball. It's exciting stuff. And even though, I, for the first time in a long time, I truly believe that market size is not going to matter for this World Series. That L.A. being a big market, if they're not in it, it's not going to matter. People want to watch live programming. People want to watch compelling programming. And if it's Bray's Rays, I still think I still think people are going to watch it. I think people want to see, you know, I'm sure the NFL game last night got ratings. I'm sure, I mean, people just want to watch whatever you put on. People want to watch. We want something fresh. We want something new. So the longest days off between the ALCS and NLCS to the World Series, the most days off before game one was the 2007 Rockies. And, of course, they'd go on to lose to Boston. They had eight days off. Remember how hot they were? They won, like, 17 straight games to end the season. Then they had a a, a, uh, a playoff, basically a one-game playoff with the Padres at Coors Field. Rockies won that, and then they blew through the playoffs. They had eight days. I mean, that's over a week. I mean, you have that long off before you take on somebody in the World Series. That is too long. But if that happens tonight, Cody, I would like to see then the Braves go through the same scenario. So, one as five, one as four. So you're basically on equal footing, which, you know, Tampa may tell you, we appreciate the time off because you're going to, you're going to celebrate. Let's say they celebrate tonight. You're then going to have to get on a flight from San Diego to Dallas, which is probably around three and a half. And then you're going to have to go through all the protocol, all the testing, checking into a hotel. Um, are the Dodgers and the Braves doing the same thing that 
And I'm not sure what's happening in San Diego right now. I know where they're staying uh, at the Omni Hotel. The Omni Hotel, it's a beautiful hotel in San Diego. And there's a walkway from Petco to Omni. So literally, you can walk from your hotel room into the ballpark. It takes like two minutes. Uh, A lot of people for like Padre games, they like go, they have drinks at the bar, they eat, and then they just walk right over into Petco. And you're not even staying at the hotel. So I'm not sure both teams – do you know, Cody, or both teams? Because when the, when the A's were taking on the Astros, they put them in the same resort in, in the bubble. You get one side of the resort, you get the other side. Is that what's happening right now? I, I know I know the Rays and the Astros, I think, are uh, staying at the same place. Cause I remember um, that game was on Fox last night, if I'm not mistaken, right? No, are they on TBS? Because uh, the, Bra- the Braves and – the Braves and Dodgers, I think, are saying because John Smoltz made a joke about them staying at the same resort. So I think they are staying at the same place in in Dallas uh, or in Arlington for the bubble. So they're close together. And I, I'll say this because I mentioned John Smoltz. I know a lot of people don't like listening to him for some reason on the broadcast. I li- I like listening to him. I know a lot of people. Are like, I don't like John Smoltz. How do you not like John Smoltz on the broadcast? Wait, wait, okay, wait a minute. When you say a lot of people, Twitter people, fans of baseball. Say they don't like I don't John Smoltz. Anywhere. I, I just see like I can't I can't listen to Smoltz. Or they say they don't like Joe Buck. How don't you like Joe Buck? Because he doesn't like your favorite team. That's a joke. Joe Buck is a Hall of Fame broadcaster. I believe he's going into the NFL Hall of Fame. He's well, a Hall of I Fame broadcaster. You, I, uh, you know what? I'll I'll differ with you on that. You don't like Joe Buck? I think there, I think, I think there's a reason why people don't don't like Joe Buck. I'll give you two reasons people don't like Joe Buck. You ready? Which one you want to hear first, A or B? Uh, let's go with B. Let's switch it up. All right. He's smug. He's totally smug. He's not enduring. Like when, he, when they gave him that little talk show, you remember? I mean, you really got to see the insight. Joe Buck is smug, and people don't like that. Look at the difference. Would you say Vince? I mean, Vince Scully will always be the guy, right? Or John Miller. If you're a national broadcaster, you need to appeal to everyone. Did John Miller or Vin Scully ever come off as smug? Never. And, and I've listened to them as a kid and adult, a teenager and adult. Never. They've never come off like that. And I love listening and to Vin them. Vin Scully did NFL. Vin Scully did the Masters. Joe Buck. And, like, even when Joe Buck did the when, – when Fox got the U.S. Open in golf, it didn't work. And A is, I'm going to tell you, he's overexposed. When you got to have the same, you got a smug guy who basically, Fox has so many rights. Every single time I got to turn on football, every single time I got to turn on baseball, it's just, there he is. And he's not, I'm not, now you've heard me say, or you haven't heard me say that he's not talented. I'm not saying he's not talented. I'm not saying he's not a good broadcaster. I'm just telling you what people feel, and this is not my opinion of how I feel about him. I'm just telling you, as you say, you know, I don't know why people don't like him. Well, it's really, he's overexposed and he comes off smug. He's not an enduring guy. And that is a national guy. I mean, the only thing that matters is that Fox likes him. That's the number one thing. Fox likes him. But there are a lot of people, and I know there'll be the some like oh, yeah, you, you know it's the Cardinals and the Giants. And he's rooting against the Giants. I mean everybody. And Joe Buck has 
had this complaint about him that whoever your team is, if it's the Cowboys and the Eagles, you as an Eagle fan thinks he doesn't like the Eagles, and you as a Cowboy fan, you and he's had to address this. He knows that. Well, I know Scully's a Dodger guy, but I can listen to Vin Scully do a Dodgers A's World Series in 1988, and I'm not coming off saying, well, he doesn't like the A's. So that's kind of, I mean, if you, if you go a drawback of Joe Buck, you know, if, the, if, if every fan base thinks you don't like their team, that to me is a problem. Because I don't think you ever got that from John Miller when he was with the Orioles and he was doing a big game and you thought, oh, he's the Orioles guy. He hates my team. I don't think you ever got that with John Miller. I don't think you ever got that with Vince Scully. You know, we talk about the great voices of our game. So there you have it on Joe Buck. I think he's very talented. I think there's no question. I just think there are there are some reasons why people don't like them, and I think they could be justified. No, that makes sense. And I, uh, I'll say this before we move off of uh, Joe Buck. Uh, I, I'm with you. Uh, I like him on baseball and football. Golf, um, yeah, not so much. Um, oh, stick, it was awful. Stick to, fo- was- <laughs> stick to football and baseball. Uh, but it I do awful. like – I also like the uh, broadcast team on, t- on TBS with – uh, B.A. Brian Anderson, friend of this program, Ron Darling, and and Jeff Francoeur. I, I think that they have a nice mix, and I think B.A. is going to be the next face of Turner Sports because once Marv eventually retires doing the NBA, I think B.A. is going to be the guy that takes over as the face of the NBA and everything for them. So I've been enjoying the broadcast, and I've also listened to the radio broadcast. So like Dave Willis, who will be on this at three thirty, I like the Rays broadcast. Th- these bro- these series have been entertaining for me. You're watching. You're watching a small market team like the Rays take down the Cinderella that is actually a villain in the Astros, and then you're watching the Braves take it to the Dodgers, who are the, the were supposed to be the favorite to win the World Series. And I think today was the, I think Bob Nightingale had to tweet or someone had to tweet earlier that today was the first day all year that the Dodgers weren't the favorite to win the World Series. It's now the Rays are the favorites to win the World Series. Hey, hey, hey! When you've had a lot of playoff failures. And now all of a sudden, the ghost of failures past is now creeping into you. I know they had that. I, you know, it got dicey there in the ninth inning. But at what point are you dealing with human beings? They've had the failures in the past, and it's now creeping back into your minds. Down 0 2. And then, you know, they're doing these Zoom calls. And I can guarantee you, someone's going to ask, teams trailing 2 nothing in the best of seven postseason series have gone on to lose 72 of 85 times. That's 84.7%. So where the Dodgers are right now, 87.7% of the time, those teams went on to lose. I don't know if they get the game tonight, but we know if you go down 0-3, it's death. And Urias has to give them something. And it is Urias. You're going to hear so many different people uh, butcher that pronunciation. But it's Urias. He better, that lefty better give him some length. Because you go down 0-3, and the next guy you're hoping and praying is another guy with not a whole lot of playoff success 
And that's Clayton Kershaw with back spasms. And the Dodgers, they haven't fixed their Achilles heel. And I know it's a tendon. It's an expression, people. You know how many times you say, it's not a tendon. Uh, yes, I I remember you bringing it's this up before. It's not a tendon. I get it. Um, their bullpen. I mean, if there's the if you look at Friedman, I don't know. Is it he's ZVP or President of Baseball Opera? What's his fancy title? I think he's he might be VP. He might be President of Baseball Operations. Uh, I'll look up his official titles. You tell the story. So, in the end, these guys have been really, really smart. They have gotten control of payroll. They've drafted well. They've produced a lot. Every, like every year, they seem to produce at least one really good young player. They've done a lot of great things, and that's why they've won their division eight straight years. But they haven't been able to get over the hump, and the one thing that you need in the postseason is the ability to close games out. And you got to have multiple guys that can pitch in high-leverage situations to get to that 27th out. And they haven't been able to do it. And the knock on them is going to be like the same knock that was on the Atlanta Braves. Other than the one year where Mark Wollers was able to actually do that, the Braves struggled for years figuring out a way to get that get to get the ball to that final out. And now the Dodgers, you know, as smart as they are and how successful they have been, their bullpen continues to be the Achilles heel of the team. And now it's an issue. Jansen can't get people out. He signed a big contract, which was a bad move. You brought in Joe Kelly. At times, he can't get people out. Blake Trinan continues to be a mental mess. That has been a major problem for the L.A. Dodgers is getting people out late in games. But more importantly, we're heading to Arlington, Texas. Ron Washington Wash is going to join us next right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. All right, Commander, how are we doing this? I'm going to call Wash. So, you know, I'll, I'll get him right. I'll just call him right now. The great Ron Washington, arguably the greatest infielding instructor in the history of Major League Baseball. Hello. Wash, Hello? how you doing? It's Chris Townsend with the Oakland A's. Hi, Chris. How are you doing? Oh, we're doing great. And I got to tell you, I remember you told us before the season how good these Atlanta Braves are going to be and how tough they are. And you are right. You got to be so proud of the way your guys have played this postseason. I'm, I'm very proud of them, as the whole organization is. You know, they put in the time, and when you put in the time, sometimes you, you don't really realize what the reward is going to be. And the reward is uh, we have a chance to play to go to the World Series. And I just think about how your club basically comes to win every day. I mean, they expect to win every day, and that mentality of just 
just getting through everybody. It doesn't matter who's in that other dugout, just the confidence. Talk about that, the confidence you guys have in that dugout and in the clubhouse. Well, the thing about it all is that we're not afraid to play baseball, which is what we playing. And we certainly uh, feel confident enough that we can go out there and if we put our game together um, in all facets, um, we have a chance to, to play and be successful against anyone. And that's the, that's the, the difference right there. Everyone's on the same page. Um, everyone comes every day uh, to do what they can bring to the table. And in the end, we combine it all together. And when that happens, that's where you have success. How about starting three straight rookie pitchers? It hasn't happened since 2012. These young guys, so big for you. Oh, you know, they, they paid their dues. Um, these young three, last three guys, young kids that we've been pitching, um, they've been sent up and down. They've been on a roller coaster. They've been trying to find out what works, what doesn't work. And they ended up finding it at the right time for us. Um, we know we can swing the bat. Our problem is trying to get our starting pitchers deep in the game so we can go to our bullpen. And these young kids have stepped up. And you have to give them credit because they've worked hard. They've had a lot of um, adversity that they had to go through going back and forth. But, uh, you know, the reward is right now they're getting an opportunity. And this opportunity is just not here in the uh, championship series, but this opportunity is, is their future as we move forward. Yeah, Braves starting pitchers are 3-0 and with a 1.16 ERA in seven games this postseason. And as you said, you know, you know, guys that come up and down and up and down, it can really break their spirit and break them mentally, or it can build character and make them better. Talk about how guys that they can learn from going up and down and then realize at some point, you know what, I never want to go back down, and that's not going to happen again. Well, the, the, the one thing you mentioned was character. And those, those kids you are seeing, they do have character. And the organization showed that they care about them because every time there was an opportunity, they gave it to them. Every time there was an opportunity, they gave it to them, even though they did a lot of failing. But, you know, failing is a thing that only happens if you allow it to happen. We all fail at things in life, but you'll fail only if that's what you become. And they know they had good stuff. They know they could pitch because they proved they can do that in the minor league. But then you don't get over the hump until you come up here and prove it at the major league level. And since the organization was sending them back and forth, uh, in a way they still was letting them know that we care about you because they didn't get rid of them and maybe they had an opportunity too. So they do have character. And that's what you are seeing out of those kids out there on the mound. And the thing is, it, sometimes it doesn't matter if you are successful or not successful. It's just how you fight out there how you try hard to give your team an opportunity and a chance in the ball game. And our young kids have reached that stage where they're able to give us an opportunity now when they, when they touch the mound. What is it about being able to seize the moment and not allowing the moment to be too big? You've been in the postseason so many times as a manager and the coach. What is it about a team that's not afraid of that big moment? Just trusting each other. It's not about one guy. It's about all the guys that's on the roster. Trusting each other. Be prepared to do your job when you called on. Um, we know we're going to have some studs out there that's going to do what they have to do. But uh, in the case that you're called on, be prepared. And I think Snit has done a good job of setting the tone. And he let his coaches go out there and coach. And he let his players go out there and play. 
And that's why I don't think the world is seeing any pressure on these young kids. They just go and play baseball. Whatever happens, happens. And one thing they, they do have, they have not, since I've been here, seen them bring one day into the next. Every day is a new start. You know, I, I think about protecting that 90 feet and not giving outs away, playing great defense. We know you're one of the greatest defensive coaches of all time. Talk about just how lockstep your defense has been so far in this postseason. Well, the guys that we have out there, they're very steady. They take pride in what they're doing. They work at it every single day. I mean, every single day of the amount of games we have to play, these guys are on the field trying to get better. And, you know, I don't know what's happened in the game, but you don't see that a whole lot anymore. But uh, these guys, um, they're young. Um, they got here early. Um, they've had a taste of it and got knocked down. And uh, we don't know what the rest of this series is going to be. But I can sit here and tell you that each day we come out here, we're going to try to pitch as best as we can. We're going to try to play defense as best that we can. Our offense going to grind out as fast as best as they can. We get on the base pass. We're going to run them as best as we can. And we're going to pull for each other as best as we can. And for me, that's a formula right there for success. So you're playing in this beautiful new ballpark there in Arlington. And obviously throughout the season, it was more of a pitcher's ballpark compared to the uh, ballpark across the street. We know they have that new turf from an infielding standpoint. uh, How do you feel about that new turf that they have there? Well, I like it. The only thing is, is you, you just don't know if the ball going to have top spin when it come off of it or it's just going to back up. But the only thing you have to be concerned with is play, playing with the baseball when it comes off the bat and make sure you put yourself in a position to get the last hop. And we work on last hop situations every single day. So I don't think our guys, there will be any hops that they wouldn't be able to handle. And if they don't handle it, we will not make an excuse about it. We're ready to play. Man, you got some great veterans. You got some great young players. It just looks like you guys are having a blast. How much fun are you having with this group? I'm having a great time with this group because they're young, they're energetic, uh, they want it, they listen. As you mentioned earlier, again, I keep going back to that one word. They have character, and that's what's important. They're learning how to win, and they're learning how to accept winning, and they're also learning how to deal with losing. Well, let's end on this. I'm having a blast. Oh, no, it looks like everybody's having a great time. Let's end on this, and we'll knock on wood. uh, You guys get to the World Series. Will there be a benefit that you guys have been in Arlington and that you've played at that ballpark? You now know that ballpark to where the team that probably is going to be coming your way the Rays, they haven't played in this new yard. No, I don't think it's going to be that because whomever end up being here in the World Series, they're the best two teams in all of baseball. And I don't think they'll be concerned about any obstacles. And I don't think this ballpark going to have an advantage on anyone. It's going to play like it's play. And at this point, um, you, may have be, you may be seeing balls fly out of here. That's because the teams that are playing, they're capable of knocking the ball out of any ballpark. So Arlington is a beautiful yard. But if you've got guys that can drive the ball out the ballpark, global life will not hold them. Well, Wash, you know what you mean to the A's family. We miss you, and we're rooting for you and the Atlanta Braves to get to that World Series, and I can't tell you how much it means for you to come on this program on game day before a huge playoff game. So 
Good luck to you guys. Be safe. And we want to be talking to you in the World Series. And thank you, guys. And I love everybody in, in Oakland area there, um, especially the A's fans. And I, I thank you guys for having me on. You're the best, Wash. Good luck tonight. Thank you. Ron Washington, the skipper of, not the skipper, but the uh, coach for the Atlanta Braves, former skipper of the Texas Rangers, where he had a lot of great success. And he's such a, he's such a great man and such a wonderful teacher. And it's one of those where, you know, it's game day. You know, I don't want to have him too long, right? <laughs> I mean, he's doing us a favor by coming on. So, uh, Cody, that's a good get because I know how much uh, A's fans love Ron Washington and uh, will always be a part of A's history. And you never know. You never know if he'll ever be back with the A's. But that's a fun group. And they're very, very talented. And they swing it and they really swing it against left-handed pitching. Have you seen their numbers against lefties? Uh, I have, but it was, it's been a while because I don't think they faced a left-hander, a left-handed starter in the postseason yet. This will be the first time. Because what you figure, Gonsolin was right-handed. Dustin, um, Gonsolin was right-handed. Uh, who am I drawing a blank on? Started game one. Uh, Walker Bueller was a right-hander. Both Reds and guys were right-hander. Yeah. Tight pants. Oh, I got. So, I, I I pulled the. I pulled. What I called dumb questions that people asked. Like uh, there was a reporter that asked Walker Bueller about his pants, and he was like, "It's probably not the right time to ask." And then they asked Ian Anderson about it. I think yeah. And then he's like, "This is not the right time to ask this question." So. A lot of uh, interesting stuff going on with. Uh, you have questions. audio on that. Yeah, here. Let me get the Walker Bueller first. No, hold on. We'll we'll okay. we'll, uh, we'll do that next. Just the Braves going up against Urias. Excuse me, Urias. They're hitting three forty four, with an OPS of one thousand forty two, this postseason against lefties. Kind of reminds you of the uh, Chicago White Sox. Who? Oh, by the way, we got to get into that. Rumors, Tony LaRussa could potent. Well, you know what? Rumors about Tony and bad questions in the playoffs. That's coming your way next, right here on A's Cast Live. Hi, this is Ramon Laureano. And the throw is going to be in time at the plate. Laureano firing a strike all the way on the. And you're listening to A's Cast, your 24 7 destination for A's baseball. All righty, A's Cast Live. We got a little change in programming. We are going to have now Bob Nightingale from the USA Today at 2 o'clock. So we will move Joe Morgan to 3. Is that correct, Commander? That is correct. Uh, I figured Bob was originally supposed to come off us, and we were in the middle of taping, and then something came up, so... We'll move Bob into the two slot, and we can play Joe Morgan later in the afternoon. Uh, people really enjoyed the first time we did that interview with you and Ken, so I'm looking forward to playing it again. And quickly back to Ron Washington. How great would it be for the Braves on the World Series in Arlington with Wash as one of their coaches when, unfortunately, he couldn't get it done back-to-back years with the Rangers? So, be happy, oh, so I'd, I'd be so happy for Wash if that happens because he got the – Going back, watching, looking at the years that he managed the Rangers, how good they were. Even when they didn't make the postseason, they still won like eighty high eighties in games. Like they were so good. And back to back years, they lose. I I was looking it up. Look at this. So he gets there. It's obviously a a project. He gets there. They go seventy five and eighty seven. In oh seven, oh eight, they go seventy nine and eighty three. And then look at this. 
87 wins. 2010, 90. 2011, 96. 2012, 93. 2013, 91. Wash had some really strong. You take that the average wins right there for five years. That's really, really strong. By the way, my kids came in and talked to me. Uh, what, what was I talking? I know we're going to do the media question. What was the? I know there was two things. We're going to talk about Tony Larusso. What was the other thing? Well, the dumb, media, the dumb media questions, or yeah, not dumb, but this thing. weird media. No, it's just those two. Larusso and the media oh. questions. Okay, so. The White Sox have asked permission to speak to Tony LaRusso, which is Joe, because he's just a, you know, he's a, he's working for the Angels, but he's just a consultant, right? So they have to ask permission because I guess he's under contract. And I'm like, Tony LaRusso as your manager? I'm not sure, like, how interested? I mean, obviously, I think they there has to be a would you be interested? He's 76 years old. He just turned 76. You've been retired. You've been enjoying this, you know, right-hand man to the front office that he did in Boston and now doing in Anaheim. Does Tony really want to at 76 years old? Want to get back into this game, which we have no idea what this game's going to look like even next year with COVID-19. Now, the thing about Tony is not only is he a friend of Cody's, but he is a guy that, I mean, he basically is analytics. Tony was his own analytics. You know, the modern-day bullpen. You know, the, 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 the guy who came in to get lefties out. I mean, Tony created a lot of stuff with Sandy Alderson. So Tony gets it. It's a very young, talented team. I mean, we just saw that with the A's against the White Sox. But with ARF and everything that Tony's doing, does Tony really want to get back in uniform at 76 years old? How old was Jack McKeon when he led the uh, Marlins? And I remember Felipe Alou was managing the Giants. They were both sniffing 80. Uh, If not, Jack McKeon may have been 80. uh, When McKeon won the World Series of the Marlins, he was 72. So he's actually younger than what Tony is. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I think the the quote from Rick Hahn, the GM of the White Sox, was, we're looking for a manager with recent championship success. Yes, Tony won a World Series back in 2011. Um, but the other two guys that are linked to that. Well, he was a part of the – he, you could say, you know, because yeah. his definition, you know, is, is recent success. You could say, well, Tony, you know, Tony was with the Red Sox when they won it. That wasn't too long ago. And then, you know, the two guys, everyone's linking to them, Alex Cora and A.J. Hinch, who both have won World Series – in the last couple of years, and they're both coming off a suspension after this season. And Hinch has built a young team into a champion, although that was the cheating. But they he still built that team for being really bad, and they got better and better each year than they won the World Series cheating. But they've still been good since. So he'd be a guy, and then Alex Corr be another guy. I'm, I don't really know many of other managers. that I, th- I jokingly said Ned Yost, cause, but he's recently retired. And then Bruce Bochy. Why don't, why, why don't you look in at Boach? 
He's a guy. He's only what sixty. He's in his early sixties. He won three World Series in the past decade. Why not give him a look or give him a call to be your next manager? Not seventy-six-year-old Tony Larusa, who's. I mean, he's just a consultant with the Angels, but now that your guy Billy Epler's not there, I don't know what he really is doing with no GM. Well, you know, you just wonder what people don't think about is the grind of a 162-game season. When you have won, you've already gotten to the Hall of Fame, you got millions of dollars in the bank, you have other things in your life other than baseball that you're interested in. Do you want to get back on that flying around the country, getting into hotels in the middle of the morning, getting barely any sleep, getting to the ballpark, talking to the media before, talking to the media after, going through all the I mean, does does he really... He really want to get into that. And let me tell you something. If you're going to bring in Tony LaRussa, it, means, it makes me think of our good friend Rossi in Chicago. You're not going to be a front office telling Tony LaRussa, hey, you need to play this guy. You need to have this lineup. You need to. It's not going to be it's not going to be like Kevin Cash in the in the in the Rays front office. I can guarantee you that. So I just thought that was kind of, you know, Tony wanted to get back into that grind. I mean, he's got a really good life right now. I mean, everything he's doing with ARF and he's getting paid. He's still in baseball. But as you mentioned, Billy Upler's gone. But let's, you know, if Artie Moreno calls in the whoever the next vice president, president, blah, 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 baseball operations that comes in for the Angels. Or, or maybe they just go the old standard. We'll call him a general manager. I mean, Artie Marino can say, hey, we love Tony here. Tony gets along so well with uh, everybody that's here, especially Joe Madden. Uh, work with Tony. He's a great resource. I I mean, unless – I don't know what Tony's like to deal with on a professional basis. I got to think if I was a GM and I got along with Tony, I can't imagine why not picking his brain on certain things. I mean, he's a wealth of knowledge. And if you get along with him, I mean, all you're doing is you're asking him questions. You can take his advice or you don't take his advice. That's what a consultant is. Let's see. What is his title right now at the Angels? I think he's just a consultant or maybe like a special assistant to the general manager. Uh, Bob Nightingale is going to be great to ask about this because he's the one that broke the story over the weekend about how the White Sox had interest. And then he's oh, he's oh, this is great. Can I get one of these? When can I get – how old do I have to be to get this? You ready for this title? Let's hear it. Senior Advisor for Baseball Operations. (laughs) Uh, That means nothing. That is a title of zero teeth, unbelievable. I want that. That's the kind of gig I want. What are you? I'm the Senior Advisor of A's Cast. What do you do? I, I don't know what I really do, but I have that nice title. I'm not around very much. Yeah, I'm not at every game. I don't even watch every game because I got ARF events. I got all this other stuff going on in my life. But, you know, if Billy Epler has a question, he can call me up and I can uh, – I mean, come on. You want to give that up? If that's still there, whoever they hire, you're going to give that up to go fly around the country and 
do all this kind of crap you got to do as a manager, especially when you don't even know what next season's going to look like. You don't even know if there's going to be spring training. You don't even know if the game's going to start on time. You have no clue. But maybe he misses it. Maybe he's still, I mean, he's got nothing to prove, and he gets to take over a, a really good young team. Maybe that's kind of the appetizer right there to lure Tony back into the game is, hey, Tony, we're not asking you to rebuild. We're not asking you, and we're willing to spend money. The White Sox have been out there trying to spend money. People just won't take it. So I wonder if it's just Tony. What are we doing here, buddy? You want to win? Well, we got a team built to win. We got a team built, depending on what they do in the offseason, they're most likely going to be the favorites in the Central. If Lindor's gone, Fossey believes Lindor will be gone for sure in this offseason. We can ask Ray that coming up in 2.30. I think so, too. Okay. Um, I doubt Cleveland's going to be adding. So it's going to be pretty much between you and Minnesota. And if they're able to spend some money and lure some more pitching, and I don't know, are you going to have Minnesota who can't win a postseason game? Are you going to have Chicago being the favorites? I would still take Minnesota, but it doesn't matter. They're not going to win a playoff game. So uh, I really want to see them win one. I, I really, really do. But I, I just think that the the Twins are still too talented. If they can add another starting pitcher, I think that just adds to that power, and they're going to have Donaldson back next year healthy. Uh, I think the Twins have – they have a couple more years left in that run. I could be wrong. Injuries happen, but the White Sox have so much upside and potential with all those young kids and – don't forget they have Andrew Vaughn, the kid from Cal, who can come up and and play for them too. Because if you know something ever happens with Encarnacion, he wants to retire, or they get you know they cut him or whatever. You can move, uh, you can put Vaughn at DH or have him play first and have Abreu DH. There's so many things they could do. They just need to maybe add one more starter. And uh, I really do like Garrett Crochet, the kid we saw throwing a hundred out of the bullpen for him. He's like the next Chris Sell for them, but he probably throws harder. Uh, well, they, what happened with him and his elbow? I never really looked to see what happened. Um, I don't because that, that that had Tommy John surgery written all over it. Well, yeah, with the way that this the what how violently he throws. I mean, he's nothing like Chris Sell the way he threw, but um, well, what? you know, as as Jeff Blum, our buddy Jeff Blummer from the Astros said, these guys are just blow blow till it pops, blow as hard as you can. I mean, look at look at the kid. Look at the kid for uh, Tampa. Two different – what's his name? Friedman? Two different oh, – uh, P- Peter Fairbanks. Fairbanks. I'm Friedman. Uh, Fairbanks. He's got he's – he's got two Tommy John surgeries. So is Charlie Every Morton. Every time I watch him pitch with that short arm and he's throwing 100, I just think, there's no way this guy's going to last. Uh, Charlie Morton's had two Tommy John surgeries too, which is crazy. Uh, Crochet will not need surgery, so they got good news on that. Um, I'm not going to click on the link because it's for NBC Sports Chicago, and I guarantee you a video will play. And I'm not going to take that chance. Do you? Uh, I, I I gave Baba. Uh, the, doesn't every single time Fairbanks tank the mound? He's been fabulous in this postseason. Doesn't every single time he takes the mound, you just think, oh, this isn't going to last. I hate to say it, but yes, because of the, the velocity and the you know the injury history, I feel like it's something that, that it's going to happen. I feel like that way with a lot of the, the Tommy John and especially the two-time Tommy John guys that have had it. So. You know, I hope it doesn't happen because he's a he's a rare talent for that Rays bullpen. He's just another guy that you can you've never heard of before. That's six five and he throws a hundred. That's what they do in Tampa. They breed bullpen arms. So, 
but yeah, I could definitely see where you're coming from with the way he throws. I gave Bob Nightingale the option to call into us or have me call him. He hasn't responded. Do you want to hear a couple weird questions from uh, this playoff round? No, so let's say, let's save that. Okay. So uh, coming up next, we'll, we will have Bob Nightingale. Do we know where is he in San Diego or Arlington, or he, is he at home? He hasn't told me where he's at, but he's been to- covering a lot about the uh, Astros series. So I'm thinking maybe he's at Petco. All right, we'll talk to him next right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. All right, so how are we doing this? Well, I, I gave him the option if I can, if you wanted me to call him or if you wanted to call us, and I haven't heard back yet. So um, I saw he was just tweeting something from Alex Bregman's Zoom session, so he might be a few minutes behind because I think he's doing a – Zoom session with uh, Alex Bregman right now. Breggy? Uh, yeah, he wants me to call him, so I'll, I'll give him a call uh, here in a second. Yeah, we'll ask about Tony LaRusso. What do you think about that? I mean, that's... That's pretty amazing. Tony LaRusso back in the dugout? What a... Never thought that. No, never. I'm close. And Bob Nightingale from the USA Today joins us here on A's Cast Live. Bob, you've been really busy. How's everything going? Yeah, yeah, good, Chris. A little, uh, yeah, it's been wilder the last few weeks. Well, you you know the thing that I love, and I think it's been great for the sport. It's like every day we have baseball games. And I know a lot of people were worried about the expanded playoffs, but just what what do you think this has done for Major League Baseball from an exposure standpoint with so many people at home, so many people want new, fresh content, and baseball is delivering it? No, I think the, uh, you know, kudos to baseball for pulling this off. People thought I had no chance to succeed. A couple hiccups here with the Marlins and St. Louis Cardinals. And, uh, hey, they got a... Uh, 60-game season in. They're going to get their full playoffs in. Uh, you know, almost a uh, month and a half without anybody, any player testing positive. So, and uh, people are enjoying it. And it's the time of year where people watch baseball and they get the baseball. You know, I believe the Rays are going to move on. We know what the record's like uh, when a team is down 0-3. And once that happens, you're guaranteed Rays either against the Braves or the Dodgers. So people's fear of an under under 500 team, a team just getting caught, still the best teams, the best two teams, because you got to think Dodgers one seed, Braves two seed, Rays one seed. You're going to have one of the, the two top teams in baseball playing for the World Series in Arlington. No, you're absolutely right, Chris. I mean, no flukes here whatsoever. Uh, I'm sure the MLB, you know, uh, executives and TV are, you know, rooting for the Dodgers. Uh, you know, I'm not sure how much outside the uh, Southeast we're going to have people falling in love with the World Series of Atlanta and, and Tampa. But you're absolutely right. And these are uh, two of the three best teams in, uh, in baseball are going to advance. And uh, hey, this Atlanta pitching staff for real—they're the biggest surprise. I didn't see a—I didn't see a soul taking the Braves to win the World Series, even when the postseason started. Yeah, and they are, and, and they're just tough. I mean, the Braves—you know—you you look at their roster, and you just start to wonder too, Bob, about the Dodgers when you have that—the ghost of past postseason failure. 
Does it start to creep into the Dodgers right now? Do they start gripping it? I mean, how, how do you see that? Because right now, that dugout with, with the Atlanta Braves, they look free and easy, and they look like they're having a great time. Yeah, we'll see. I still think this is anybody's series. Remember now, with no off days, you, you uh, it really is a uh, test of someone's depth, and uh, nobody has more depth than the Dodgers. Nobody's, nobody's got more talent. So I think that, you know, game three is still big for the Braves. I mean, they don't have any, uh, they're going to have to use a bullpen uh, the next uh, games four and five before they go back to their guys. So, you know, uh, you know, they really don't want to lose the momentum here, you know, and, and go back to game six down two, three uh, after what they've done. So uh, it's important for them to squeeze one of these three games out before they can go back to Max Freed for game six. Yeah, and, and the Dodgers still have that problem. It's the one thing that, that they haven't been able to figure out. They've figured out how to produce great young players. You know, you bring in Mookie Betts. Their their roster is as talented or probably more talented than anybody. But getting those final outs, getting those those outs in high-leverage situations, just talk about how but that's been the Achilles heel of the Dodgers. It's been their bullpen in the big moments. Yeah, he really has. It kind of reminds you back at the, at the day of the Braves. And Braves won 14 straight division titles, only won one World Series, and one haunted them. It was a bullpen. It was, it was always the, uh, they can never get the closer right. Uh, back in the games, they were losing a ton of them. Uh, same here with the Dodgers, you know, not just uh, shutting it down at the end. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Obviously, Kenley Jensen isn't the guy that, that uh, same guy that started the season. Uh, they don't trust him in the ninth inning. And that, that's really cost him in, in game one. So, you know, and the Braves team still is a dynasty, 14 straight division titles. And, you know, won one World Series, you know, went to five of them. And uh, they should have won at least one or two more. But, you know, it's time for the Dodgers to win that World Series because people in L.A. or, you know, throughout the country, the Dodger fans are tired of just seeing division titles. All right. You're managing. You're Dave Roberts. You're managing for your season. Let's say you got a one nothing lead in the ninth inning. Who are you throwing out there as the closer? You know, I probably might go to Guadarrama, uh, the way he's pitched. Uh, you know, Kelly Trinan, uh, you know, at least Jensen has done that. I, I, I do think maybe he deserves it. But, you know, uh, you know, Brutal has pitched very, very well for them. He's just a young kid, but he, uh, he, he seems fearless out there. I think they may trust him more than anybody. And just, just just talk about how tough the Rays are. I mean, you look at this team and the way Kevin Cash and they go about their business, man, they are just tough to beat. They really are. I mean, uh, you know, they're, they're a version of Oakland A's. And Oakland A's is very, very complete, too, great defense. But of all my years covering baseball, Chris, I don't remember a team in a single postseason playing defense like this. I mean, you're seeing the Astros throw the ball, you know, their bats up in the air. Uh, slamming their helmets down just out of sheer frustration. Yeah, they're not hitting the ball over the uh, fence. The, the Rays are catching it. Just tremendous, tremendous defense. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, pitching and defense, it, it wins championships. And then also, you know, it, it's like, you know, you take the 28 other teams that are not a part of this series, and you know all 28 teams and everybody, they're rooting for the Rays. It's like for the Astros, you've got all of baseball who wants to see you out of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, uh, people are rooting for Oakland, and, uh, you know, Houston played so tough. I never thought to get past Minnesota, let little Oakland. That was a uh, big surprise. 
And I tell you what, they could easily be up 3-0 in this series, at least uh, 2-1 with the, with the way they have pitched. And they've squandered some great pitching. They cannot get a single uh, key hit. Uh, I mean, they haven't driven a run with a runner in scoring position yet this series. So, yeah, I mean, it's always a uh, you know, bullseye on their back from what they did in 2017. But with Dusty Baker managing him, it's like, okay, yeah, I like to hate the Astros, but I can't because of Dusty Baker. <laughs> yeah, I mean, every, everybody loves D-Bake. There's no question about that. But Kevin Cash, you know, so much people talk about the analytics and they talk about how their game in so many ways is already planned out before they start. But there's something about the manager has to get the buy-in from the players. When you got your top relievers and you're bringing them in the sixth inning, when a guy could be saying, hey, wait a minute, I want to pitch the ninth inning because I want to say, because that's going to help me in arbitration. That's going to help me in free agency. Just talk about how what Kevin Cash does so well is he gets everybody to buy into what they're doing. No, uh, you're absolutely right, Chris. I mean, uh, yeah, he gets a lot of help from the analytic department. I'm sure he does stuff that he isn't crazy about, but it, but it works. And uh, you're absolutely correct. You get the players to buy into these things. I mean, go out, you know, like Joey Wendell, Dusty Berk was just comparing to Brooks Robinson. Well, he's third base one day, second base the next, first base, shortstop. You don't know where he's playing. He's a super utility player. Never hear him complain. Uh, they mix and match and platoon everywhere. You don't hear anybody complaining when they're not in the starting lineup. So, yeah, these guys have bought in, and uh, it is work to perfection. I mean, it, uh, you know, right now, for the first time all year, the Dodgers are not the World Series favorites. It's the Rays. I know. You just tweeted that out. How crazy is that? I mean, for the first time, yeah, we don't expect you to be the team that wins. <laughs> yeah, in the uh, yeah from day one, spring training or before spring training, even the Dodgers are the heavy favorites. You know the Yankees are right there with them, but the uh, yeah, it's amazing what the Rays have done, and then they had the best record in America League uh, for a reason, and they're playing the tough AL East. So yeah, they're going to be around for a while. Uh, you know, right now they're strong, the World Series favorites, and the way uh, the young guys, and everything else, they may be around for a few years here. You know, before I ask you about Tony Larusa, just just a, a a business question. When you see all of these games, I think these games, for the most part, are getting good numbers. Uh, how do you think this will change Rob Manfred and the business of baseball with with their television partners about having more teams and more playoff games? Well, they certainly want that. You know, the union has to approve it, so they just can't do it. Uh, what Rob Manford and uh, MLB wants to do is go back to 14 teams uh, postseason instead of the 16. Uh, you know, you don't want a, a team with a losing record in there. Uh, that way, the teams with the best records in the league will get a first-round bye. Then do it this way. Then we'll see if the union signs off on it. Uh, I think the union's skeptical in the sense that we don't want too many teams to make it. Then it kind of uh, desensitizes the uh, – you know, uh, uh, needing a win, we win division. Where you know, you look at the Dodgers. Uh, in is there, there was no advantage. Obviously, you play neutral sites, but you need to have a more advantage than just having a home field. Uh, you know, for the first round, that sort of thing. So they need to. Uh, you know, hopefully, it goes back to normal next year. But with 14 teams, I think uh, TV likes it. And uh, you know, we'll see what the ratings are. You know, we've had some overlapping games too. So I wouldn't be surprised if the ratings are down. I got you know a, a game on a uh, 
games on Tuesday night, you know, overlapped by, by about four or five innings. Tony Larusa just turned 76 years old, obviously has retired. He's in the Hall of Fame. He's got everything he wants. Uh, he's got millions in the bank. You know, he's got a cushy little consultant job with the Angels. Uh, he's got ARF, which, he, which, you know, here in the Bay Area uh, for animals and what he does for rescuing animals and everything that he does. Do you really buy that Tony Larusa at this age will want want to get back into this rat race? There's only one team and one person to do it for, and that's Jerry Reinsdorf of Chicago White Sox. He would come full circle. Uh, they were best of friends. 2011, when Tony Larusa didn't tell a soul he was retiring, or you know, or very few people, I should say, nobody knew about it. Well, on the field that night in uh, St. Louis was Jerry Reinsdorf celebrating with him. Very close friends. Uh, so I think they'd love to see this thing, you know, like a Hollywood story where they both go out in the sunset together with the World Series championship. So it's a very intriguing with Tony. Uh, talked to him the other day. He's turned down jobs in the past. Uh, and they're going to talk. Uh, I think right now um, he's, he's the number one candidate. And, uh, you know, if it doesn't take it, you know, I, I would think they turn to A.J. Hinch. But I think this is Tony's job if he wants it. Wow. That, 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 that it is fascinating. And then, you know, let's say he doesn't take it. Do you think that someone and like the White Sox is going to get ready to jump into that pool of either AJ Hintz or Alex Cora once their suspension will be lifted? Uh, AJ Hintz, not Alex Cora for, for whatever reason. Uh, but Hintz, they uh, like a lot. The uh, GM, Rakan, uh, was his agent when he used to work for Jeff Morad. Uh, Kenny Williams, the president. Uh, went to Stanford as, as as well as AJ, uh, you know, different times, but still the Stanford connection. And obviously he had a lot of success. You know, you don't know, you know, uh, you know about what happened with the Gene scandal. Yeah, he served his time. What if more stuff comes out? Nobody, you know, nobody knows uh, for sure. But yeah, they, they like him a lot. But yeah, I, I really believe if it's not Tony, and he doesn't want to do it, then they'll turn to uh, AJ Hinch. You know, Bob, we sat down at spring training right before the A's and the Dodgers played at down in Mesa, Arizona. How long does that feel since you and I last sat down and saw each other? Oh, my God. That was my first year covering baseball. It's been so long. Yeah, it's uh, nuts. I remember picking the A's in. I was my, my World Series was Dodgers-A's. And I uh, and tell you what, if Matt Chapman hadn't gotten hurt, it might have been the uh, A's right there. Uh, certainly got cold at the wrong time, but this team is going to be around. This team, uh, you know, should be very, very good again next year and bounce right back. Bob, you're the best. We always love having you on, and I uh, would love to talk to you during the World Series. I look forward to it. Take care, Take care Bob. Be safe. Bob Nightingale of the USA Today. Seriously, we sat down. I've been, I, I've had Bob, I mean, I've bounced around all these different radio stations and everything. I've had Bob on my shows forever, right? And we're sitting there, we do the interview, then we just sit there and we're watching the A's take BP before the game. Just And it's like, that literally feels like years ago. Years. Remember we were in Vegas? Yeah. Um, we were in Vegas for A's Indians. That feels like, what? We were just talking about that Vegas trip that with the three of us one, that we all did. Um, yeah, it feels like it was forever ago. That was at the end of February, early March, and here we are. And 
October, what is that, eight months later that we're on now? Like, it just it just feels like it was an entire lifetime ago. I feel like uh, back then we were we were just starting Ace Cast, and I feel like we've been doing this for 20 years now for how long it's just year has been taking. And, you know, we're almost at the end, and hopefully we find, more, you know, some – positive stuff with the, everything going on with COVID so we can have some uh, normalcy back next year. But uh, you mentioned earlier about the fans being at the ballpark in Texas. I, I'm glad to see there's some fans. I know it's only like 11,000 people, but I'm glad some people are there watching baseball and getting to see uh, the Braves and Dodgers play. So a uh, little bit of normalcy coming back with uh, with Major League Baseball. I would love to be in those meeting rooms when you're going to get X amount of television executives. You'll get the people from Major League Baseball. You'll get the people from the Players Union. I mean, basically, the play. you think the Players Union is going to say, no, we want less teams in the playoffs. There's no way. They want all their players in the playoffs, right? It's good for their players. So you're going to have the buy-in from the Players Union. And I wonder just how this time is truly going to dictate how TV wants it going forward. Because that has always been the criticism of the NBA, that there's no rhythm to their playoff series because they're so worried about getting certain teams in prime time that you could play a game and then not play for another four days because they're just worried about prime time. Like, they're going to know the numbers is because you're playing every single day because you now have a rhythm of a series. It's easier for people to get into a series. Like, I I think it's brilliant to go, we're doing a five-game series, and it starts on Monday. You know what? We're not going to go against football on Saturday and Sunday. You're not going to beat football on network television because, remember – Cody and all of his millennial brothers and sisters, they're not buying cable anymore. They're not buying. So when you're saying it's on TBS or it's on TNT or it's on FS1, you don't got it, right? You don't have it. You don't have FS1, do you? Yeah, I have a the, it, I, I have the sports package and stuff through Sling, but I don't have conventional cable. I have Sling. I pay like 30 bucks a month for Sling, and it has a bunch of channels, and that's what – a lot of people are doing that are, you know, in, in the millennial age group is no one's paying the, you know, a lot of people are going towards the people really aren't watching TV as much or streaming more stuff. So I think that's why you're seeing a lot more people uh, switching over. And you're right. Like if, if you tell someone who doesn't have cable, like it's on TBS and be like, where's that at? Like my parents have my parents have cable and my dad still calls me and asks me what channel ESPN is. I'm like, you understand we live in two different states. I don't know what channel ESPN is there for you. I mean, I do know, but I'm saying it's a hypothetical experience. Like, people are so – Yeah, it's it just – I understand why people are doing it. But, yeah, if you tell a normal person who is my in my age group of, you know, 27 to early to early 40s, late 30s, they might not know where these channels are that, that these games are on. And that's why I like it Monday through Friday because you're not – if you're starting a baseball game at five o'clock and you're going up against SEC football on Saturdays, if you're going up against, I don't know, Bama, LSU, you got no shot. 
and then you got the NFL on Sunday. Keep as many games off weekends against football. And I, I mean, I don't know. I could be completely wrong. They may want to keep it this way, or they may want to go back to the old way, but playing two games, taking a day off, you know, might be better just to ram them all together and stay away as much as you can away from football. And it might be, you know, the television executives may come back and go, guys, we played all these weekday games without days off. It was better for us. I like this better. I've said it for years. I hate these days off in, 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 in series because it allows you to not use your entire roster. It allows you to not play baseball the way it's meant to be played. Baseball is meant to be played every day to test your entire roster, but we play one way for 162 games, and then we flip it for the postseason because we're, we're supposedly taking care of it for television. This is what television wants. Well, let's see what television wants after they have this. More teams, less days off, more baseball, baseball every night. Is it going to be better? This is where I want to be able to take phone calls this offseason, Cody. We have that new phone system, the new Ring Central phone system that we may need to get to your home and figure it out on our own how to take calls. Because I want to know what baseball fans feel about this. Do you like this better? Do you like this format better? I know I do. I really have all these games in a row, then have a few days off, take a breather, and then the next round starts. And then all these games in a row. I rather do it that way. I do not like taking the days off. Never have, never will. I know it doesn't bring the 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 Randy Johnson or Madison Bumgarner thing into it. But this is the way baseball is meant to be played. And I like the fact that I wake up with these days and I know, hey, I got two baseball games today. I got games every day. I'm with- and like there's been times where I got to do stuff. I'm like, hey, man, I can turn the game. I got the, you know, I got XM. I can listen to the Dodger bra. I was listening to uh, Charlie Steiner and Rick Monday the other day. It was pretty cool. And I'm with you because I, I, I like that the, there's games on, you know, mainly during the week. You're going to capitalize a little differently during the World Series where the games are, I think, next week are, I think it's what, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Friday. And then I think they play over the weekend, too where these series are playing five straight days or seven straight days with no days off. And I, I like it a lot more, too. I think it it also adds more of a managing element in there for the managers because you have to you have to kind of finagle your way around how you want to use your bullpen and how you want to use your starters because you're seeing it where the Rays are the perfect example. They like to use Nick Anderson in high-leverage situations. Well, if he pitches three innings from the sixth through the eighth, he's not going to be available the next day to pitch. So you have to you know work your way around it. So – it adds an extra element of managing for the for a lot of these managers, and I'm I'm like the idea of 14 teams. I mean, I I'm not opposed to the 16 teams, but I think 14 works too because then you have the two teams, the top teams getting a buy, and then the other two teams fight it out if that's what they want to do going forward. I like the expanded playoff format. I'm I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I know a lot of people weren't fans of it when it first came out, but I I think that this is the way baseball needs to go moving forward and having games on at the times they have. Like they are right now, two games on tonight. There were two games on last night. Very, very rarely in a non-pandemic season, you're not going to have baseball going up against uh, National Football League football on a Tuesday night. So they, these are days for baseball to capitalize because you you see in the NBA still, the NBA Finals, they'd play a game on Sunday and they'd be off until Wednesday. 
you're playing in a bubble. Like I get you're trying to you're trying to get the the primetime numbers and on TV markets, but they're playing in a bubble, so they're not traveling anywhere. I, usually it's travel day, so I think baseball's gotten this right 100 percent from the start with how they handled the season and then how they got the how they're structuring the playoffs. I I have no gripes with it at all. I like it. You know what I also like? Raymond Fossey. The great Ray Fossey joins us next right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. That's right. A's Cast Live. Ray Fossey's going to be joining us. We're going to have our tribute to the great Joe Morgan coming up here at 3 o'clock. And then at 3.30, we'll head down to San Diego. Dave Wills, play-by-play man for the Rays, will join us as we'll get you ready for the games tonight. You know, Joe Morgan is truly one of the great players to have ever played the game. And we've lost a lot of, lot of great players recently. And it's just, it's just how it happens. You know, guys get to a certain age, but we had Joe for for many, many years. He died at the age of 77. And you think about his career, two-time World Series champion, two-time National League MVP, 10-time All-Star, truly one of the great second basemen in the history of the game. Is Ray calling us or are we calling him? Yeah, Ray calls into us. He, he, likes, he likes to be a millennial and calling to us with our millennial phone number and technology, so. Uh, we'll we'll hear from Ray shortly. Uh, he's always listening, so he knows when to call in. Uh, we had Joe Morgan on A's cast, and it's when we were going back and reliving the 1972 World Series. Ken Korak and I did the interview. We will replay that interview coming up for you here at three o'clock. What a gentleman! Loved him as a broadcaster. I mean, he and John Miller, I mean, they were kind of the voices of baseball for 20 years. Sunday night baseball. All those playoff games, the World Series games, whether it's television or radio. Joe Morgan was a broadcaster for a long, long time. And then, of course, uh, the work that he did with the Baseball Hall of Fame. Ray Fossey, it has been a while. I've missed you. How are you? <laughs> oh man, I, I, I wish the A's were playing tonight, you know, and uh, playing for the four-game sweep, um, whomever. But it's not happening. How you guys doing, Cody? Doing good? Doing well? How you doing, Cody? I'm good, Ray. Good to hear your voice again. I know it's yes, sir. I know we're not talking A's Rays, but we can still talk a lot of different things. So thank you again for uh, coming on as always on Wednesday because the fans look forward to it. Well, so we. Well, listen, it's a, it's a fun time to be on with you guys. I appreciate the uh, the invite, and it's always fun being on with you, so that's good. But, you, you know, you were talking about Joe Morgan, sadly. Have you guys ever uh, – I can't – and I can't ever remember having five Hall of Famers pass away in such a period of time that we have had this summer. Have you, you guys – can you remember? Can you think of anything? You know, I mean, Ray, yeah, I, 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 I looking into it, like I wouldn't have thought about, like, when we were kids and we didn't have the internet and if someone passed like that, it, it wasn't, you, you, the, the, you didn't have the knowledge of it. I mean, I guess it would be in the sports page a few days later. So I, to be yeah. honest with you, I don't know. 
Well, it's just, I, I cannot remember, you know, to have Al Kaline, who, I mean, we experienced that last summer. That's something you and I never forget when he walked in the booth at Comerica Park. And, and I know you were on that trip. We've talked about that before. But then to have Tom Seaver, and then as they're mourning the loss of um, Lou Brock, Bob Gibson passes away, and then Joe Morgan. And I just, uh, it just baffles my mind to think about, and I, I started looking, actually, I was a little curious, and speaking of the internet, I went on there and, um, you know, I did a quick count of former or, or major league players who have passed away in the year 2020. I counted 83, and this was a couple of days ago. And we still have, you know, the rest of October, November, December. And, um, you know, God forbid anymore, but I mean, that's an astonishing number as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but, you know, it, it is what it is, but I'm, I'm glad you were talking about Joe Morgan because we had him in the booth. Um, it was either last year or year before, but regardless, he was in the booth and, you know, he'd had uh, replacement knee surgery and he was, uh, he was over that. He'd had a staph infection in it and we started talking and, and I brought up about uh, Kurt Flood and, you know, he was very instrumental in recognizing Kurt Flood and what he did for the Players Association. And, you know, I worked with Kurt um, with the Species Bureau under the Haas family in the early 80s. And, uh, you know, not really thinking that much about it. And but, you know, then re researching it, reading about everything that Kurt Flood did and to realize that his expenses for medical, I guess, were just overwhelming. And Joe went to the association and on his behalf, and you know, I'm just trying to get them to help out with the expenses for medical and so forth. But Joe was such a good person. And um, you know, you just cannot say, I mean, he's a hall of fame baseball player. And as uh, Sparky Anderson said, you know, when the Reds acquired him, <laughs> you all of a sudden get the best second baseman in all of baseball and uh, his power, um, you know, just so many great things about Joe Morgan, but what he did off the field probably, you know, exceeded, especially after his playing career was over, exceeded, or at least comparably, I don't think would ever exceed what he did playing, but uh, to be a broadcaster and to be humanitarian, uh, you know, working the, the Hall of Fame and, and helping them. So just a, a great loss uh, to baseball and to this country with Joe Morgan passing, you know, and, and yeah, can't forget the others as well, and um, it's just unfortunate. Yeah, and, and his career after baseball, and I, I can't, you know, talk about this enough. You know, Sunday Night Baseball, you know, it's uh, yeah. Ford C. Frick Award winner John Miller and the Hall of Famer uh, Joe Morgan. And, and you think of all the Sundays you spent barbecuing, watching them on ESPN, then come playoff time, they were either doing television or radio, the two of them where basically the faces and the voices of baseball for 20 years. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure John Miller is just absolutely devastated to think that I, I think it was about 20 years, at least 20 years, they worked together on the Sunday night baseball and, you know, John Miller and that great voice of his the Sunday night telecasters, you know, and, and, you know, just, it, it, you know, you, you think about it, but you know, when Joe would come into town uh, broadcasting, it's always, you know, I'd interview him or we'd just talk baseball and, uh, just a, a lot of different things that would happen when he would come into town. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's just a shame that somebody of his magnitude is no longer with us. And uh, I, I know he had, he had been out of baseball with regard to broadcasting and the thing like that, but, you know, it's just, uh, just sad to think about all of a sudden these greats are gone. And uh, I, it's just, uh, it's just, almost depressing. I mean, considering what happened to the A's losing uh, the way they did in the, the division series and, and then 
hearing about this, start to think about all these things. It's, uh, you know, it's just sad for baseball. I can't wait for 2020 to get over. I don't know about you guys, but I can't wait for January 1st to 21 because it's, it's got to be, it's got to be so much fun just to kick the, the 2020 season back. And uh, Rays aren't thinking that way right now. And the Braves aren't because uh, they could be meeting up in the fall classic, but uh, that in itself um, is totally different playing in a neutral site. So, so many things have, uh, been different in this month or this year of 2020 that I, I think we're all looking forward to 21 and, and get this behind us. And uh, um, it, it just too many sad things have happened. Yeah, I think there's uh, no question about that, Ray. It's been a uh, it, it's been a brutal year. And for these teams, I mean, the way they have been able to battle and, you know, these series as of right now are lopsided. And right now, the Rays, yeah. the Rays could put the, the the Astros out of their misery today down at Petco. I mean, look at the Braves. You know, the Braves keep winning, and they are tough, and they got such a strong lineup. We had Wash on. They play really good defense, and, and the Dodgers still have that issue with uh, getting the game to the house. I mean, we could we potentially could have two sweeps, and but I'll tell you what, Ray, I, I you're going to give me Rays. Raise Braves for, for a World Series. That'll be very intriguing because both those teams, God, they are just tough. They are a really tough team. Well, just how about the defense of the Rays and just last night's game alone? We, we know about their pitching and, you know, the, the innovator of the opener, uh, you know, I, I guess against the uh, the Yankees in game five, last now two, two plus innings. And, you know, give Garrett Cole a lot of credit coming back on short rest and pitching into the sixth inning. And doing that, well, you don't see that. I mean, especially with the contract that he signed, he could have just said, nope, I'm on a five, five-man rotation, five days, you know, forget it. I'm not going to come back. But he did. But he was the one that said during the, the shutdown, he said, listen, we got to get back to baseball. There's going to be a world champion this year. And, when, you know, why not us? Why not the Yankees? But if you think about the Yankees losing to the Rays the way they did, and their powerhouse uh, pitching, of course, is, is dominant as always. And then you get the Rays in against the Astros. And, you know, Tony, you and I have talked about this before, that when you get a series to series, and someone commented, why couldn't uh, the Astros uh, not hit against the A's the way they did, they're not hitting against the Rays now. Uh, you know, but that's what happens from series to series. Now, one thing to take note of is the fact that it will change in the World Series. They'll get back to the normal days off. Uh, probably because of television. So you play one, two off, three, four, five off, six, seven. But in the division and league championships straight through. Now, I remember in 2007, the Indians had the Red Sox on the ropes in the, in, in the league championship series. And there's such a thing as momentum. I, I strongly believe, and they say the momentum is the, your next day's pitcher. You know, how well is he going to pitch? But in this particular case, I remember, because Eric Wedge was managing. And the Indians were up, I think, three games to one. And I know Cody is the master of – that's why they call him the commander. He's, he's the master of the internet and all that. But but I remember specifically they had changed the format instead of having a one-two off before games three, four, and five, and then off before six, seven, they added an added, uh, additional off day. And I think that changed the momentum completely to the Red Sox' favor. And they went on to beat the Indians having been down, I think, three games to one. And they came back and won. And then, of course, won the World Series, you know, their second in, what, three or four years. But uh, I think the way they're playing, and we, again, have discussed the fact that there are no off days 
Uh, it, it's hard to believe. Sometimes you start thinking, well, games one and two, they're traveling today. Nope, they're playing today. And then there's, there's, no, there's no travel days during the league championship series. And I think that's where it can help the Rays because the, the Astros are having a tough time. And, and to see George Springer you know, throw his bat down the way he did after the right fielder made a, a great catch and uh, you know, just, just guys robbing home runs and making defensive plays, you know, that's, that's Rays baseball. And how about Jose Altuve's contract was equivalent to the starting nine of the Rays? One player of the Astros' contract equaled the total nine players' contracts starting for the Tampa Bay Rays. And here they're on the verge of sweeping them in a four in a seven-game series, sweeping four to go on to the World Series. But, you know, it, it all talks about, you know, and, and that's one player. And now you add all the other players and what they're making in the payroll of the, of the Astros compared to the Rays. I think it says a lot about what Kevin Cash and his staff has done, those players playing and believing in themselves to the point that they don't care who they're playing against. They feel they can win. And um, I think they're proving it right now, but having played at Petco for the division series, they, they beat the Yankees, they stayed there and now they get to play the Astros. So uh, they're straight all the way through at Petco. And then if they win, they go to Arlington to play in the world series. But you know, it, I, I still say the neutral science, it really takes away the benefit of the fans in those particular cities. And I think, Hopefully, again, a 21 can get back to normal fans can get back the stands and then cheer on their team the way, of course, the A's fans do, take it in the postseason because it's a tremendous help to have those fans in the stands, especially in postseason, cheering on your team. Interesting seeing fans up there. I think there, 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 there's no doubt about that. And we're going to have fans uh, in the World Series. Uh, are you sh- – I don't want to say, are you shocked? But when you when, when you look at the Dodgers and you look at the firepower and, and you and you look at their roster, but then you know their pass fails. You're dealing with human beings. At what point do those those doubts and those those pass failures start to creep in your mind when you're down 0-2 and it becomes that oh no here it, here it goes again. Charlie, I think when Clayton Kershaw was scratched because of back spasms. You think what that might have done to the thinking of the Dodgers players going into game two, having lost the first game. Now, all of a sudden, granted, game three starters pitching or started last night was, you know, it was a Goslin, Goslin, something like that. But, you know, he bumps up and he starts. So, but, you know, just the fact that here's your, your big time pitcher. You got Walker Bueller and you got Clayton Kershaw. And even if you lose game one, you're thinking, okay, Clayton's going to pitch game two. We're going to at least get a split. He doesn't pitch. And now they're down 0-2. I think it starts to get in the back of their minds because I still say that with this season, as different as it was with the 60 games and teams 1-2 and automatically go into postseason. That's why I think the Astros kind of skated through with a sub-500 record, knowing that the other teams in the Western Division were so far behind that they were a lock to go to postseason. And once postseason kicked in, their experience helped them. And you would think the Dodgers experience would help. But you look back to last year uh, when, when, you know, you know, I think sometimes when you bring in a starter out of the bullpen, it's a different situation. Last year it affected them. Kershaw gave up a couple of home runs. And then Howie Kendrick ended up hitting the grand slam. And, and the Dodgers didn't get out of what the, the uh, division was a division series, I think, last year, uh, right. the five games. But, you know, but. But, you know, the, it starts to get in the back of your mind because, you know, now they start thinking even more about 2017 
and uh, the possibility of winning the World Series and they did because of other circumstances. And maybe they think a lot about that now. But, you know, the money they had to spend signing Mookie Betts the way they did prior to free agency, and especially in this season, and then having basically the finances, the ability to keep players, sign players, it proves that money doesn't win for you. You have to put it all together. And it just seems like the pitching for the Braves is excellent. Uh, they have the big hitter in Freddie Freeman. They've got the Albies and, and um, you know, just so many good players, so many young players that are very good on the Braves team that it's just amazing to see how they're playing. And, and you know, Wash has got to be just thrilled working with those kids. And we've seen him in the past whenever he has been working with them defensively and can only think about how much he has influenced them as a, uh, as a veteran person who's been around the game, both as a player, coach, and a manager. And now he's coaching them at third base. That's got to be a tremendous asset for the Braves, especially with the young players. But, you know, I, I, I agree with you, Tony, that, you know, you lose and all of a sudden it gets in the back of your mind. We skated through. We had a great regular season. We got into postseason. It's almost like, again, playing, playing the game of golf with nothing on the line. Then all of a sudden, here's, here's something on the line. It changes. And that's what postseason baseball does for a lot of people and a lot of teams, and when you get a total team not playing and playing well, then all of a sudden it perpetuates to the point that you're going home and wondering what happened. And, you know, here we go again, spring training, starting all over and trying to do it. But uh, that's a good point that you make about uh, the the Dodgers because, you know, with Kenley Jansen, not their guy. Blake Trinan had uh, been their guy for a lot of of times, and and maybe it was Ramon Laureano hitting the home run off of him. And then he comes in on the tie game. All of a sudden, Braves or and you know everything changes there. So the back end of their bullpen is really in flux to the point they don't know who to go to. And I think it's affecting them because, as we always know, you can never outscore, outhammer other teams offensively because good pitching is going to shut you down. And obviously, that's what the Braves pitching is doing. I got to tell you, Ray, when, when my head's clear, nothing on the line, just having a good time, my golf game is way better. <laughs> That's right. Isn't it amazing? Throw a $10 bill on the, on the green and what happens? <laughs> oh, well, the hands start getting a little yippee and things start changing. And it's only 10 bucks. <laughs> but it, it's amazing what happens. It, you know, it, it's called not having a full season to recover after say three or four losses in, in a row, because in postseason you're playing a, a wild card game under normal circumstances. That's a one game, a division series, five games, you lose three, you go home, a league championship, seven, you lose four, you go home world series, seven, you lose four, you go home. It's not like regular season. And, and that's where it's tough. And that's where you try to get the upper hand by winning early, trying to, trying to sweep, who cares? You know, um, you know, you, you try to win as quickly as possible. And if it means sweeping and not going seven, who wants to go seven games and have that last game be a do or die? You'd rather, if you could sweep at four like the Rays and, and you know, the Braves are trying to do, that's the way you do it. And, um, you know, that's the difference of postseason regular season. There's a reason. And, and even some, somebody commented about, could the Rays have done this on a 162-game schedule? Maybe, maybe not, you know, the, uh, the, the using a much, as much of the bullpen as they have done, but they knew how to handle a 60 game schedule and they definitely know how to handle a short series in postseason. And we're seeing that definitely with the races. And, you know, the, the definition of having fun, I think the Tampa Bay Rays, you know, it, it took Jake Lamb before 
with the the final game or our game uh, was a game three against the Astros, maybe something like that. He said we need to have fun around. You know, that that should be the whole season. And it seems like the Rays know how to do that. And maybe it's because they don't make money and they're thinking, you know, this this bonus in postseason is is a huge raise for us. Uh, so, but but they're having fun and they're making the plays. And you can just see the frustration, especially the Astros, some of the players, whenever they hit or they think they have hits and they're being robbed because of great defensive plays. If you had to buy stock in one of the teams left, who are you buying stock in? Well, I'd take, I'd take the, the, uh, the Rays. I'd just take the Rays just because of the way they can play the game. And they, they seem to be playing with no fear. And I think that's the way you have to play postseason. I think if they can, I mean, there'd be a lot of time off. If they can sweep the Astros, they'd have, when is the first game of the World Series next, what, Tuesday? Correct. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah, and Thursday, yeah, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, um, they'd have a lot of time off, but I don't think it's going to affect them. Probably it's going to help them because of the way they utilize their bullpen and the openers and things like that. But you know, uh, I, I would I would say I would go on the basis of just the way they have played the 60, the way they've played in the past. You know, they've given up some pretty powerful players, both offensively and defensively, uh, over the past several years. And, and here they are on the verge of sweeping a team that, uh, you know, probably feels like they're pretty invincible on the Astros. And and I, I would just I, I would go with the the uh, the Rays simply because I don't know that much about the Braves, but. I'd say it's a, it would be a good World Series. I don't know if the people televising are going to think so because it's not it's not New York and Los Angeles. But uh, I I would think the Rays are going to be pretty good. Yeah, you know the the thing about it, if there was ever going to be a time that, as you would say, big market teams are not in it and you could still get ratings, yeah. this may be the time. This might be the I, time I because. Everybody's at home. No one's doing anything. Uh, we need live content. This might be that time, right? I think exactly the same thing. I was thinking that just as I said what I did, because let, let's just let's think that it's the Braves and the Rays. You've got Atlanta, Georgia, and St. Petersburg, Florida. You got the Southeast. Now all of a sudden they're playing in Arlington, Texas, and you're exactly right. It's the World Series. A few fans are there. I feel badly for those fans of the two teams that had to travel and, you know, but, you know, for them, maybe it's a nice road trip to take. And uh, uh, since all the games are there, they don't have to go back and forth and they can just stay there if they can get tickets and stay in a hotel or whatever. But, but that's a great point, Tony. And, and I think you're exactly right because from the television standpoint, uh, it's going to be the world series. It's going to be in Arlington, Texas at the neutral site. And I, I don't think it's good that in the future that people will say, well, this is great. Let's keep it going. No, you have to reward the fans with your postseason and reward the fans. Let them come and support your team or their team that they've watched all summer and get the postseason. But I think, like you said, in this, this uh, abbreviated season um, out of the ordinary, it's a great point to have that neutral site in a sense to where it really doesn't matter from the network standpoint, who's going to be playing because people are going to be watching and, and we're going to be shut down, evidently, for at least through the World Series. We'll see what happens after that. But, uh, but uh, I, I think playing the games in Arlington, Texas, uh, the two teams will stay there. They'd have the off day, but no travel days. 
and just play the games. And I, that's a great point. A great point. You always make great points, buddy. I, I'm trying. Hey, so <laughs> now that you've seen it, whether it's 16 teams or 14 teams, now that you've seen the way the playoffs could be, and we got baseball every day, Ray, this is what I love. Like every day I can wake up and I know at a certain point I got baseball games they are going to be on. Has this swayed you about expanding postseason and maybe changing if television does well in ratings, not having these days off? I mean, I know with travel, that probably won't work, but how do you feel about expanding the playoffs and having more baseball? And it's been, for the most part, really good quality baseball. It's been good baseball, but I'll be honest with you. I would like to see it go back to normal because in the case of the A's, it gives you the incentive to win the division. And like I said before, the Astros, even though they had a sub-500 record, they knew they were going to postseason. Now, would they have had that same ability in a 162-game schedule? Would they have advanced to play in the division series with a one-game play-in game, a wild-card game? I think that's the most critical. And, you know, the A's were almost going home after the wild-card, whereas in the past, the A's would have gotten the bye. They wouldn't have had the wild-card game. They would have had the five-game division series and gotten ready for the team that survived the wild-card play-in game. That's where I think uh, it, it's unfortunate for the teams that played. Now, to your point about having all those games to be played, that was great, and, and I'm sure the ratings were great. But, you know, if we get back to normal in this country and fans are able to be there, I don't know that fans are saying, okay, it, it's, there's not that great of an incentive to win the division if you can finish second and still go. So the record doesn't have to be as good. You start looking at the three, four, and five teams versus the first team, and you start playing accordingly. And, and I, I just think you have, to have, if you, you have to have incentive for the team that wins the division, and I think you have to have as much incentive also for that team that wins it to have a guaranteed five-game series versus the wild-card game. And remember, 14, 18, and 19, the A's had the one game, and you know how much we didn't like that because the A's went home after that one game. Now, and they almost went home again this year playing the White Sox after two games if they had not come back and won games two and three. But, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's something that this year is different. But personally, I would like to see it return to the normal setup. And, um, you know, I, I, and it, it, look at it this way. And, and the point you made about the teams are going to be in one site and the ratings would be, be good because the people would be at home. Let's say if the everything gets back to normal, people are working, people are traveling, are the ratings going to remain the same during that period of time because of the games being played the way they are this year in the future? I, I just don't know if that's going to happen. But uh, I think personally and selfishly, I'd like, I'd like to see the A's win the division and know that they at least have a five-game series to go into versus that one-game wildcard play-in game, knowing that if you lose, you go home. And... Uh, but still, it, it comes down to momentum and, and being good in the month of October, being hot. And if you are, I mean, look at the Rays. I mean, everything they do is, is perfect. And look what the Astros did against the A's. Everything they did against the A's in the division series was perfect. They got off to a good start. But, you know, again, hypothetically, if, if you look at that and you had fans in the stands in games one and two, maybe the Astros – uh, don't win the way they did against the A's. Maybe the A's with the fans in the stands would have had a lot more incentive. And then who knows what would happen there. But uh, to answer your question, 
I'd like to see it go back to the way it was. And, you know, if the ratings are such, would they be the same? I don't think they would be the way they are this year because of the number of games being played. But, uh, you know, they are available, you know, tonight, you know, and every straight through until the World Series. That makes it exciting. But uh, that's because I think people are home. Whether that's going to be the same in the future remains to be seen. You know, I'll tell you this. I think the one-game wild card, I think that's history. I think now that we've tasted the two out of three, I have a feeling we're never going to see that one-game wild card again. Well, I've always felt that. I felt that it should be the best of three and a wild card. I agree. It should be. But it it also should be that if you win the division, you don't play that wild card series. You don't play it. It it maybe takes – the, the next two best teams or whatever, but there has to be an incentive for winning the division. And, and, and look at the Astros the last few years, winning, you know, more games than the A's did. The A's winning 97. Their incentive was to win the division because they got a buy in the, in the wild card. Yeah, I agree. I, I've always felt that that should be a longer, maybe take one or two of the off days that they expanded the off days starting a month of, of March. I think next year it starts in April. April 1st is the first game, but still, you know, they've got a lot of off days. They could take one or two of those and make it a three-game series. You know, the the best record team has a home field advantage like the A's did against the White Sox, but make it a three-game series. But I still say there should be an incentive. If you win your division, I don't believe you should have to play a wild-card series. You should have at least the ability to play a five-game series to advance on to the league championship, which is seven in the World Series at seven. You know, Ray, we're going to have to get on that plane and go to New York with these negotiations once the season's <laughs> over. We're going to have we're going to have to sit down with our good friend Rob Manfred and just you know kind of go over what we need to do with the players' <laughs> union television. We're just going to need to straighten these people out. Well, he's your good friend. I know that because you have him on your show, and you've got a lot of good friends on there. So uh, I, 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 can, I maybe let you handle that, but uh, but I, there, you know there there are a lot of things that. Um, I think going forward in the 21 season to see how many things that, that that they utilized in the 20 season because of the circumstances, how many will they say, Hey, that works pretty well. Let's, let's carry it forward in 21 to see how it works on a regular 162 game schedule. We'll see with some of the things that uh, were, 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 I I think the wild card and not the wild card, but the uh, designated hitter, I've always felt that that's going to be universal uh, sooner than later, sooner than later, it's going to be universal because, uh, I, I just think it's something that's been, again, an American leaguer my whole life. I think it's a National League, and, and there's so few pitchers that hit. Hey, by the way, did you see the Grankey's comments? He said, I don't mind not having fans in the stands. I mean, he, he, he enjoyed sitting in the stands whenever he came in and pitched against the A's on the Friday night. Remember that? He pitched for like five innings and then sat in the stands for the rest of the game. That You know, things like that aren't going to happen in the future if there are fans in the stands. But he said, oh, I like it because nobody's asking for autographs. You don't have to talk to people. But that's that ranking. Uh, but I think uh, normal circumstances, get the fans back in the stands and uh, play the game the way it has been for over 150 years or whatever it's been and, and get it back to normal. This, this has been a crazy year, uh, too many deaths of some great people. And, uh, you know, it's going to end by the end, actually before Halloween. And uh, let's get on and, and uh, get ready for 21. Let's hope that's normal. Yeah, Zach Grinky likes that pay, paycheck, though. So one of the reasons oh, why he's got that yes, paycheck. He yes, he does. Yes, he does. I don't think he's ever doubted that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, but, 
No, I agree. I agree 100%. No, absolutely. But you know what? I've been thinking about that. How about he, when he pitched? And I, I just wish the A's could have won, uh, beaten the, the Astros because he put up two fingers and then threw a curveball to Ramon Laureano in a three-run home run. I'm going, you know what? He just told he's going to throw a curveball. He threw a curveball. He hung it. Ramon hit a three-run home run. You know, now it, it takes a special player hitter to do that. But, you know, some of the sort of weird things that he was doing, you'd like to see them bite them and, and not, not have success because of it, because that's out of the ordinary. I mean, you're, you're trying to hide what you're going to do, not say that the world, okay, because the universal sign for a curveball is two. You put up two fingers. So, you know, here's two. I'm going to throw a curveball. Okay. Malinato then calls a curveball and it's a, it's a three-run home run. And that put the A's on the board, unfortunately. The way the ball was flying, um, it didn't work out. It didn't work out for the A's. But we'll get through this year, and, um, you know, and um, you know, we didn't even talk about the free agency. We'll, we'll do that in the future because nothing can happen until after the World Series is over as far as uh, what players are going to be doing. But uh, I think David Force, uh, and if he could get some of the guys to come back, and I think there are going to be a lot of changes uh, with the teams that are going to be offering money simply because the clubs lost money. And if they can play through October, they can recoup some of that. But we'll see what happens to the potential free agents. That's why, to me, Mookie Betts is a lucky man because the Dodgers have the, the money to be able to do what they did, signing him before he even thought about free agency. And you give him the kind of contract they gave him, why wouldn't he sign? So, um, you know, he's, he's blessed to be able to play for the Dodgers and, and get that contract. But uh, I'm sure there are a lot of potential free agents who are hoping for something similar. They won't get as great a contract, but uh, at least get something to where they can feel comfortable going, if, even if it means to another team. You know, Ray, we have absolutely no idea what this offseason is going to look like. I agree. I, think, I agree. I think there could be the potential of just a freeze where you don't have a yeah. CBA. No one's allowed to sign anybody. I mean, we, as Rob Manfred said right on this show, the commissioner of baseball, he said the virus will dictate how business goes this offseason. So I think we really have no idea what this what this season's going to what this offseason's going to look like. You know, Tony, I couldn't agree with you more. And and seriously, because just like the qualifying offer and what they said, it's going to be 18 million. How many teams are going to offer it? How many, uh, you know, because that's a guaranteed salary. Why wouldn't a player under the circumstances take that? He's going to be a free agent and say, okay, I'm going to play one more year for the team. Uh, and, and then hopefully it's going to be 162 game scheduled. Then I can go to free agency. It, it's going to be a tough call, especially for the free agents. Uh, it's not going to be collusion. It's going to be simply, guys, we lost a lot of money. We don't have a lot of money to spend. And I think uh, the, the teams that, I mean, it's just no fans and no promotions, no, uh, I mean, no, nothing really uh, that has happened in this 2020 season. So uh, still a lot of expenses had to be paid out, uh, but with no revenue coming in with the exception of the TV revenue, you know, I agree with you. I think it could be a, an off season of, really every day not knowing and every day everybody praying that this virus is over so there's some normalcy that can get back and again we have to feel for the people who have, have lost their jobs because of uh you know nobody in the stands the concessionaires souvenir people the ticketers you know parking i mean just just so many people 
did not have income during this summer that are hurting tremendously. And so for their sake and everybody's sake, we get back to normal in 21 so that a lot of people can get back to where, whether they catch up, who knows, but at least they can get back and have some semblance of, of uh, at least work that they've had in the past. Well, people want to hear you every single week. So we are going to be broadcasting every single week here on Ace Cast Live. We're just going to move your day from Wednesday to Thursday. Thursday will now be a Fosse day. <laughs> Whatever you guys want to do is fine with me. I'm, again, happy to be on with you and talk a little baseball. And uh, you guys do a great job. And uh, couldn't be uh, more pleased for Ace fans to be able to know from your standpoint that you're, you're going to be there and that, you know, it, baseball's a year round sport and, you know, all sports really are kind of evolving into year round sports, but I don't think there's any one sport that is more year round than baseball, just because of the, the war, the awards, and then the free agency. And next thing you know, it's, it's the holidays and you, you get into spring training and here we go again. And so, yeah, it, it's a great, great sport, great things to happen. And, you know, you start to see, the movement, if there's going to be movement, if there's not going to be movement, but couldn't think of a better sport to be involved in. Again, I thank you for the opportunity to, to be on with you guys. And Commander Cody, you you do a great job. And you know what? I had so much fun with, with Hawk, Joe Rudy, and Phil Garner on those those talkbacks. I mean, that was so much fun during that time. That was, that was tremendous. So I, that was a great suggestion you guys made, and I'm, I'm glad it worked out. Well, uh, we're going to be playing those on A's cast. So you'll be able to hear those uh, discussions on A's unfiltered. All right, Ray, be safe. And we'll talk to you next week. Look forward to it, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Commander. The great Raymond Fossey. Up next, we had a wonderful time, Ken Korak and I, interviewing the late, great Joe Morgan. We're going to replay that for you next right here on A's cast live. Hi, this is Shamanaya. Shamanaya has no hit the Red Sox. And you're listening to A's Cast, your 24-7 destination for A's baseball. Well, we've had two stories that are breaking news in football today. If you have a phone and you have the ESPN app or CBS Sports, you've probably already heard this. But we had breaking news earlier today that LSU Florida, that their game was postponed because of COVID spikes. And now the breaking news, Nick Saban, head coach of Alabama, has tested positive for the virus. He is leaving the team. Steve Sarkeesian will take over the team offensive coordinator as they get ready to play number three Georgia. So Nick Saban now has COVID-19. And of course, a, a man of his age, these are the people we're trying to really, really protect. And we'll see how that story ends up as Nick Saban will not be around the team. Well, we recently lost Hall of Famer Joe, Joe Morgan at the age of 77. Originally a Houston Colt 45. Ended his career with the A's in 1984. You're going to hear about that. A two-time World Series champion, a two-time NL MVP, a 10-time All-Star, five-time Gold Glove winner, won the Silver Slugger Award. His number eight is retired in Cincinnati. 
He's in the Reds and Astros Hall of Fame, and in 1990 was voted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. During the COVID shutdown, we started going over the World Series from the 70s and 1989. Of course, we started in 1972, and we were so lucky that the Hall of Famer, Joe Morgan, joined Ken Korak and I as we did a little pregame show, getting you ready for the Reds and the A's, the hairs versus the squares. Here is our conversation with the legend, Joe Morgan. Two-time World Series champion, a two-time MVP, a 10-time All-Star, a five-time Gold Glover, Oakland's own, the great Joe Morgan is with us. Joe, thank you for taking the time as we're celebrating one of the great World Series of all time in 1972. Well, we have some time now, <laughs> unfortunately. You know, the way the world is now, I'm spending a lot of time at home. You know, Joe, I, researching this and going into today, you know, the one thing that I realized is you had so many great players on both sides and so many, I mean, really other than, than Pete Rose and Burt Campanaris, all of you guys were in your prime or in your young 20s. It was a very athletic and a very young World Series. Yes, it was. Uh, a lot of great players, like you say, on both sides. When I thought about doing this show, I started thinking about all the great players on the A's side and all the great players on my side because I spent so much time with all those great guys on the Big Red Machine. So uh, you're right. It was just it was a great World Series. You know, Joe, you are one of the great number two hitters of all time. I've always thought like the perfect number two hitter. So what were you trying to accomplish in that role with those teams, batting behind Pete Rose? And in the game, we're going to hear game two of that World Series, Bobby Tolan behind you and then Johnny Bench and then Tony Perez behind him. Well, you have to remember, I always hit first or second when I played for Houston, and then I got traded to Cincinnati. And, of course, the hit behind the great Pete Rose was great for me because it opened up that hole between first and second. And if I could pull the ball in the hole on the ground, he could go to third easily. So my job was to get him over so that Johnny Bench and Pete, uh, Tony Perez and George Foster later on, those guys could drive him in. Now you think about this World Series, Joe. It's the early 70s. You know, you got the A's with all the hair and the mustache. It's the hairs <laughs> against the squares. Just just take us through going into 1972, the World Series, and what it was. And, and you grew up in Oakland, taking on the Oakland A's. Well, it was a, I was pulling for the A's, obviously, you know, to win and get to the World Series because I grew up like 10 blocks from there, from the Coliseum. And I wanted to have my father, mother, sisters, brothers, aunts and uncles all to have a chance to see me play in the World Series. Uh, my father was a baseball player. My uncles, all of them played baseball. They barnstormed around Texas. Uh, and and so forth. Uh, you know, my when my dad was playing, it, you know, it wasn't possible for African Americans to play in the major leagues, and they all played, and they all loved the game. That's how I grew up loving the game. I became the bat boy, and then I grew up, you know, just loving the game and spent a lot of time with my father talking baseball and going to baseball games. We went to a lot of the Oakland Oaks games back in the day. You know, my father would take me to the games all the time. So, you know, I just wanted Oakland to win, you know, as bad as I wanted us to win, you know, our the National League so that we could play the A's. And then not coming home, you know, then I didn't realize I had to get tickets for everybody. So <laughs> all of it kind of jumped up on me. But I was just so happy to, you know, to play the A's. I wish I would have played better the first few games especially. But 
you know, that's life. And I was just, 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 as they say, maybe that's the problem. I was happy to be there. Well, you know, if we, if we digress a little bit or fast forward, actually, you finished your career with the A's, Joe, uh, yes. 12 years later in 1984. What was that like? And were your family members and, and friends able to watch you play a whole lot at the Coliseum that year? Yes. Um, I had planned on retiring at the end of 83, my last year, when I played with the Phillies in the World Series, we lost to Baltimore. And I had planned on retiring. And Roy Eisenhart was the uh, uh, president, I think, at the time. And we were good friends. We had been good friends for a while, and we played a lot of tennis together and whatever. And about halfway through the offseason, he started asking me to play you know, come play for the A's. And I said, man, I'm, I'm retiring. You know, I've made up my mind to retire. And Roy, being as smart as he is, uh, he, he asked me about five times, and I said no. So finally he went to my wife my, and my mother and dad. He went to the people, you know, he was smart enough to go there, and I couldn't tell them no. They all wanted me to play one more year so they would see me play my final year. So, um and that's one of the best things I've ever done is to come home and play for the A's, you know. So uh, I decided to come and play, and uh, you know, and I and I played here my last year, and a lot of things happened positive for me that last year. And uh, you know, I, I didn't know how much fun it was to be able to just get up in my house and drive down and play the game and go home. You know, it was really fun. The yeah. legend, the Hall of Famer Joe Morgan joins us here on A's Cast as we're getting ready for game two of the 1972 World Series. You know, the A's would go on after this to win two more. Only the Yankees and the A's have won at least three in a row World Series. What made it? What made the A's so tough? Well, the one thing I always remember about the A's is their pitching staff. They never made mistakes in pressure situations. You know, if they got runners in scoring position and so forth, they made good pitches. They never threw balls in the middle of the plate. They didn't hang breaking ball. And I thought all, you know, the first they got off to a great start with Gene Tennis, of course, winning the first two games for them in Cincinnati. And I just kept saying, well, they can't pitch like this the rest of the way because, you know, Perez, Foster, Bench, you know, if you start hanging pitches or miss your spots, they were going to make you pay. Well, the Reds pitchers never missed their spots. I mean, they kept, they just made great pitches. And, you know, uh, they were just a great, that's the best pitching staff I've ever seen under pressure. I've always said that. Catfish and Kenny Holtzman and Blue Moon and Vida and Raleigh Fingers at the end of the game. You know, Joe, it was a tough series, seven-game series. You lose a one-run game in game seven. And then, of course, later you go on and, and you beat the Red Sox in 75, you sweep the Yankees in 76, so you won the Big Red Machine, wins two straight World Series. But after the 72 series ended, did you really think, because you had a great ball club, did you think we're going to get back to the World Series again? Oh, of course. You, you, I think every team that plays in the World Series and loses says next year will be our year. You know, everybody looks at it that way. And we did, too. And then in 73, we ran against another pitching staff, uh, you know, Tom Seaver, uh, uh, Holtzman, uh, Madlack, all those guys with the with the uh, New York Mets. And so we ended up, you know, losing again. Um, I think the most underrated thing here for us going into that series was people overlooked our pitching staff. We had a good pitching staff as well. Uh, but, you know, we were the big red machine, so the offense got all the credit. Um, 
you know, the the toughest thing is that first two games we lost in Cincinnati because, you know, Gary Nolan started off and, and Gene Tennis, you know, just went on a rampage, you know, and he hadn't even been the everyday catcher that year. But he, um, he he got the A's off to a great start, and then we were playing uphill from that day on, that moment on. And you did mention the seventh game. We did get back to the seventh game, and, you know, I have, I guess, bad memories of the seventh game because, you know, we lost by one run. Uh, we were losing by two runs. I remember, I don't know if it was three to one. I can't remember numbers now, but uh, we lost by two runs. We were losing by two in the eighth inning, and I always remember Pete Rose let off with a base hit or he got on base. And I pulled the ball down into the corner, right field corner. And, you know, they were playing me around to left because, heck, I wasn't hitting well in the series. I wasn't doing a lot. So I, when I came out of the batter's box, I said, I'm getting to third base. I'll be the tie and run at third base with nobody out. And to this day, I'm I'm thankful that I, I got lucky because when I rounded the second, I was headed for third. And when I got, I don't know, 25 feet from third base, Pete Rose was standing there. And if they would have hit the cutoff, man, they would have been able to get me at second base, and that would have been the, like the worst snafu you can make in, 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 a, in the World Series. But Pete should have scored, and I should have gotten a third with no one out. And Pete scored on the next fly ball, and I couldn't move from second base. I ended up at second base for the rest of the inning. So uh, that, that those things kind of jump out at me because I could have been the, just the worst base running mistake ever in the World Series. Yeah, the other thing, though, too, looking back on plays like that, Joe, if Joe Rudy doesn't make that catch on Dennis Menke in the ninth inning of game two, yeah, the whole series might have turned around. Well, that's what I'm saying. The first two games in Cincinnati changed the whole thing because, like I say, we were playing uphill from there on, and I think the A's confidence level grew because, let's face it, we were the big red machine. You know, we were supposed to beat the A's. We were favored to win that World Series, and I'm sure that they, you know, knew who we were, but, you know, they got off and won those first two games, and, heck, their confidence level, like I say, went sky high. Joe, on Wednesday, we honored Jackie Robinson. It was Jackie Robinson Day, and of course, 42 retired around baseball. And before this game, he gave a speech. It was a quick speech. It was Jackie Robinson's last public appearance as he would pass away nine days later. Do, do you recall Jackie being at the game? Of course. Hey, I grew up a Jackie Robinson fan. Jackie was my hero. He and Nellie Fox. Both of them played second base, of course. Um, Jackie, because he made it possible for me to make it to the major leagues, and Nellie Fox, because he played the game the way I wanted to play it. And, uh, yes, I was there in Cincinnati when Jackie walked out on the field. And, you know, I wasn't going to miss anything for, as far as that was going to concern. And I watched him, and, you know, and, and then I guess the words still stand in my mind that will always be there. And he said, you know, uh, I'm happy, but I'll never be – Ecstatic, I guess he used a different word. Until I see an, a, a black manager managing from the from these dugouts, and I always remembered that because at that time, obviously, we didn't have any African American uh, managers, and it was a long time before we had one after that. But I always remember that his last thoughts were of trying to make it better, you know, for the African American players. You know, that's beautifully said. It was Frank Robinson, of course, later in the seventies who. Uh, became the first African-American manager. 
I guess on a personal note, Joe, I want to ask you about this back to 2017 at the Hall of Fame. Because growing up in Oakland like you did and listening to Bill King all those years, and it was so special for us to be at the ceremony and see you on the stage at Cooperstown presenting the Frick Award plaque to Kathleen, to Bill's daughter. I know how much that meant to you to be part of that ceremony. And maybe you could share with our listeners what that meant to you and what Bill King meant to you. Well, it's interesting that I, you know, I got a chance to, you know, spend time with Bill King. Like everybody else, I just admired Bill's radio broadcast, et cetera, et cetera, all those years, from basketball to football to baseball. And I got a chance to spend time with him. We went to dinner, his wife and my wife and I. Well, he wasn't married at the time. We all went to dinner a few times. And I just got a chance to know him. You know, when people talk about things, you know, he was truly that man for all seasons. I mean, that, that's, that was Bill King to me. And I just admired, you know, him because uh, being blunt with you, he made me a basketball fan. Listening to him describe the game made me a NBA basketball fan. So, um, yes, it was a great it was honor. I just felt honored, you know, and I made sure I was the one to present the award, if you want to know the truth. Yeah. Um, I'm vice chairman of the board of the Hall of Fame, and I do have a little juice up there, a little. So <laughs> I wanted to present that award to Bill's, you know, family. And uh, so, yes, that, that was a, quite an honor for me as well. Well, thanks well, for sharing that, Joe. Yeah, that's great, Joe. Joe, thank you so much. Uh, have good health and be safe. Get through these times. And truly, thank you for doing this. Uh, it, it, to hear your voice, we want to have familiar voices for people to hear because not only were you a great player, a great broadcaster, and thank you for your time. And uh, we're going to enjoy this wonderful World Series. Well, I'm going to watch my well, so uh, I'm not going to enjoy it like you will, but I'll, <laughs> I will definitely be watching. <laughs> um, you know, and, and then just so you'll know, my family and I are sheltered in place, so we're we're following the, you know, following our, our instructions. So hopefully we'll you know be able to get back to playing baseball soon. You know, I I just listening to that. You know, the last time we'll hear his voice. It's pretty powerful stuff. A baseball legend. And the more I think about it, as I said, be safe. And I don't know how many interviews he's he did after that. That potentially could have been his last interview. I just thought about that. Do you think about that, Cody? A little bit. When I thought about when I ran this idea by you about doing it, I was like, I wonder how many interviews he did. Because we did this in like April. So you figure from April till what is this? We're in October. I mean, how many people? I mean, maybe he did something with the, something around the Reds, maybe. But maybe, I, yeah. I but other than that, I can't really think of anything, especially in the Bay Area. I don't think Joe's really did anything sports talk or KCBS or anything. So I mean, it could have been one of his last interviews he's done, or it might maybe it was his last one. We'll we'll never know. But uh, when when I found out we were going to have him on and he agreed to come on, it was you know one of the greatest triumphs of my life because, like you mentioned, I grew up watching him and and Joe uh, him and John Miller on. Sunday Night Baseball. So having Joe Morgan come on, one of the greatest second basemen of all time and one of the greatest players of all time. And remember the big red machine, it was it was, it was was huge. And you and Ken handled that interview very, very well. And I'm glad we got a chance to replay it here on Ace Cast Live. Yeah. 
What a great person. What a great player. He will surely be missed. Coming up next, we'll continue to talk baseball. The play-by-play voice of the Rays will join us from San Diego. Rays and Astros. We'll talk about it next right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Not everybody can do it. Here's a shot into left center field. Back at the wall. It's gone. What a start for the Dodgers. Jock Peterson goes deep. And it's a five-run first inning thanks now to a three-run shot by Peterson. So right they're now. They're up against it. They're up against it. And they're right now in the first inning. The Los Angeles Dodgers are beating the Atlanta Braves 6 nothing with uh, two outs in the first inning. So the Braves uh, are already in a big hole uh, in game three, but they're up 2-0. So Dodgers are coming out swinging. As you heard, Jock Peterson, his big three-run homer there with Joe Buck and John Swanson. I almost said Tro- uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. I'm so used to- Troy Aikman's <laughs> on the broadcast? <laughs> I mean, it, hey, it is in, Dal- it is in uh, the Dallas area. Yeah, I mean, you just it's hard to believe the Dodgers are going to go quietly. Now, on the other hand, the Astros, this is a whole different deal. You're down you're down 0-3, tapping 38 times. Only one time did a team come back, and we know the historic stolen base, 2004, Boston Red Sox, Dave Roberts. I mean, but everybody else crumbles under this. Do the Astros, Cody, crumble tonight to the Rays? And Zach Greinke, who, by the way, Zach Greinke, his, uh, let's see, he's looking for his first postseason win since game two of the what? That would say the ALDS last year against the Yankees. 2015 NLDS. Uh, With the Dodgers. We're going way back. In his last 10 starts then since then, he's 0-4 with a 5.14 ERA. He's been bad. He might be their last hope. I was going to say, we're looking at potentially two guys trying to save, well, not now. The Dodgers are up 8 nothing with two outs in the first inning. So uh, people are tweeting out emojis of the white flag, like the Braves should wave the white flag already. Uh, I'll give you this quick number before we get to Dave Wills, the radio voice of the, of the race. Would you rather be three and six with a four two nine ERA in the postseason, or eleven and eleven with a four two three ERA in the postseason and a save? Could you guess who those two guys are? So the first guy, three and six, four two nine ERA, or eleven. How am I going to guess a guy who's three and six? Well, there are two guys that are trying to save their team season. That's Zach Greinke, and then the other guy was Clayton Kershaw, who will be evaluated tomorrow to see if he can pitch in Game Four. I'd rather be the guy 11 and 11. That means I've been in a lot of postseasons and I've won games. Yeah. Granky with his uh, three and six and four, two, nine ERA. Not, not you know how good. random that is. Tell me the guy who's three and six. It's, hey, I, I, sometimes people like doing these blind resume things and trying to guess to see who it is. Tell me the guy who's two and one in his career in the postseason. Oh, wait. Hold on. Wait. Now I was saying it's only seven nothing uh, Dodgers, but it, it was just eight. They retracted a run. Must have been a challenge, I'm assuming. I don't know, unless my phone's just not updating right. But it's now saying 7 seven nothing with guys on first and third with two outs. Uh, according to ESPN.com, 
it is seven nothing. Yeah, so they had eight nothing, and they brought. I don't know. Maybe there was just a challenge, and and so, so it was eight nothing, and then it refreshed, and it's down to seven nothing. So I, I know it happened there. Yeah, the app says eight nothing, and it says wild pitch by pitcher Grant Dayton. Mookie Betts scores. Corey Seager to third, but oh, maybe oh Justin Turner got hit by the pitch, so they sent the runner back. I'm assuming, and that's okay. why. So. All right, earlier today, really cool because, I mean, obviously these guys, you know, Ron Washington talking before the game and now Dave Wills, play-by-play voice of the Rays, guys who we've had on, so they really respect what we're doing. So uh, they're very gracious with their time to to come on on game day because a lot of people would say, game day, I'm not coming on. But the voice of the Rays joined us earlier, Dave Wills from San Diego. Well, Dave, it's always great to have you on the program, and what a series so far for the Rays. How are you down in San Diego? I'm doing pretty good. It's uh, good to be seeing live baseball on the road for the first time here in uh, 2020, and uh, the team has provided some excitement here uh, over these uh, last three days, that's for sure. But, uh, you know, it's good to be down here, beautiful weather, and uh, hoping that we can finish it out tonight against a, a tough Astros team that really has run into some tough I don't know, baseball geometry, baseball luck, whatever you want to call it. But uh, uh, the Rays are fortunate to be up 3-0 right now. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, one of the really cool things, I've, I've got XM. And what they've been doing on XM is running home broadcast. So the other day I was listening to you while playing golf. And it was great as you guys were talking about Dusty and some French philosopher, and then you're like, Camus, I only know Camus wine. I was like, it's really cool here in the home broadcast. Well, thanks for tuning in. Hope you were uh, hitting them straight. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, 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 the reason why I'm a broadcaster is because uh, I don't think I was going to be real smart enough to uh, do a whole lot of other things. And, uh, you know, uh, I was told there'd be no math. And now all of a sudden with uh, analytics, there's all kinds of uh, letters, big and small, being put together that uh, equate the numbers. And uh, also now – uh, I was also, you know, I took a philosophy class just because I had to because I went to a liberal arts school outside of Chicago and uh, never thought in my wildest dreams that I would have to uh, know anything about philosophy while doing uh, baseball. But uh, <laughs> Dusty brought up uh, Camus. Andy thinks that it's pronounced Camus. Um, <laughs> either way, I have uh, no clue. And then I read up about him a little bit, and it's all about absurdity. And uh, needless to say, while I was uh, reading up on him, I got a headache, so I stopped. I, I got to tell you, it was funny listening to it. And then one of your guys' commercial was about Kevin Cash, and I can't remember the company or if it was an auto dealership. And you kind of forget he is a Tampa kid. And when he's doing that commercial to say, you know, I'm, you know, being a guy from Tampa Bay, and, and I was like, you know, really how special that is, what he has done. And we got to talk to him down at the winter meetings in San Diego. Seems like so long ago, but he's such a personal guy. And you can see why he gets buy-in from his players. Just how important is it to have a guy that leads the team that makes a lot of interesting decisions and the players have to buy in or or it won't work? Uh, you know, it, it, he's been incredible with that. There's no doubt about it. You know, it's funny because uh, – with both of us being kind of uh, glued to uh, analytical uh, kind of led teams or so we think, um, you know, a, a lot of people think that the decisions are made by uh, people higher than the, the field manager, that a lot of people thinking that managers now are becoming nothing more than just uh, middle management. But, uh, you know, Kevin takes the information that is provided from the front office. What he then does is uh, take that information and, and passes it down to his coaches who have to have buy-in. And then from the buy-in from the coaches goes to the buy-in to the players. And, uh, it's really been a, uh, a remarkable feat, uh, you know, again, 
especially when you think about different things that uh, we do. We, we pinch hit more than any American League team. So even though you might not be starting on that particular day, there's a pretty good chance you're going to come up and uh, have a chance to make some kind of impression in that ball game. so you better be ready. And as a bullpen, you know, we always hear these stories that uh, bullpens uh, without roles are, uh, are, are going to be uh, failed bullpens. Well, the Rays have a bullpen where anybody is going to be asked to do anything. Now, yes, Nick Anderson, when he's uh, frisky, is going to be asked to be the highest leverage guy to go and get those outs. And, uh, you know, Diego Castillo, there's a pecking order. There's no doubt about it with Diego and Pete Fairbanks and, and down the line a little bit. But as we saw yesterday, uh, on a day when you probably wanted to stay away from Nick Anderson, uh, John Curtis had to come in and get some big outs. Aaron Loop had to come in and get big outs. Uh, we saw that from, uh, again, uh, Ryan Thompson and down the line. So, you know, it, it, there's got to be a buy-in because a lot of people start looking at, well, this is not my role or this is where I'm not comfortable. Kevin Cash and his coaching staff have made sure that guys are comfortable in any role possible. And it's all about the team. It's so easy to sit here and talk about, oh, it's, uh, you know, there's no in team, but this team really has bought into it. And I think that's one of the reasons why they won 40 games during the regular season and are one went away from going to the World Series. So watching the game yesterday, I saw something. I had to pause it and I had to rewind it, my DVR, just so I could, my eyes could believe what they just saw. Uh, did this really happen, a sack bunt yesterday? Yeah, we didn't have one during the regular season. Uh, and uh, I think we were one of three teams that didn't have one during the regular season. and was really surprised to see Manuel Margot put one down yesterday. But, uh, you know, obviously it worked, uh, you know, and that's the other thing. I mean, just be ready for anything. Uh, you know, people always talked about Joe Madden being a guy that would uh, reach into his bag of tricks and do some things. Kevin Cash uh, right now, especially after – you know, again, growing into the job after the first couple, two or three years has uh, not been afraid. He's not afraid to do uh, some out-of-the-box uh, things. We saw a couple of years ago where, you know, Jose Alvarado played first, Adam Kolarik played uh, some first. We moved Sergio uh, Romo over to third base so that he can come back and pitch to a guy after one guy. So, you know, Kevin Cash is a uh, very, very smart baseball man. And at that particular point, he felt that the best opportunity for the Rays to add on was going to be to bunt and uh, you know he does not like to bunt as I said we didn't have a single sack bunt during the regular season and uh, yeah we were a little shocked when it happened but I think that's the other thing we've learned to expect the unexpected from Kevin Cash and the Tampa Bay Rays so uh, it was nice to see that bunt executed a uh, little bump at the home plate brought me back to those Ed Armbruster days uh, of yesteryear between the Reds and the Red Sox but uh, glad it worked out for the Rays. Uh, how many hits does the Rosa Reina already have today? <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I hope he's got at least three of them in him again. And uh, I, I'd love to see him lose his helmet a few times, too. Uh, that's been kind of the running joke with Randy that he needs a chin strap on that helmet. But we haven't seen it fly off in the postseason as much because all he's been doing is hitting dingers. Uh, so um, I'd love to see Randy again be a big part. I'm really, really surprised, Chris, that they're pitching to him. I mean, uh, with the struggles of uh, Brandon Lau, especially when he was, uh, you know, batting behind him yesterday, uh, I, I don't know why in the world you'd be pitching to Randy Rosarena right now, and uh, I hope that the Astros keep on pitching to him because he has been helping to carry this offense while guys like Brandon Lau, Austin Meadows, and Willie Adamas, who are key cogs of this lineup, really have struggled so far. So uh, Rosarena has been a godsend. Uh, the guy, you know, I saw him in spring training, and, uh, the original spring training down at Port Charlotte, and uh, had not seen him before in action, even with the Cardinals, and uh, kind of reminded me of a right-handed version of Carl Crawford. Uh, the way he played, the way he swings the bat, the way he runs, uh, the energy with which he uh, plays the game. And, and you know, there's a, some, there's a little rawness still to his game that uh, needs to be kind of ironed out. But uh, his, his hand speed at the plate 
Uh, his bat speed is incredible. And Kevin Cash, you know, we talked about that in the spring, and then he got sick, and we didn't see him uh, for the first part of uh, of the season. And then Kevin said, uh, you know, he was all he's doing is hitting doubles down in Port Charlotte. And then we brought him back up, and uh, when he played, started playing for us, we asked Kevin about his BP, and he said he's got some of the quickest hands I've ever seen. He goes, I cannot, and it's only BP, and it's only 55 miles an hour, but. You know, BP pitchers know how to maybe jam a guy. And Kevin said, I've done everything I could to try and jam this guy during batting practice, and I can't do it. He's got incredibly quick hands, and we're seeing that so far on display in this postseason. Yeah, you're so right. It's like, why are you throwing to this guy? He's on fire. He's He, he has the chance to uh, track down Derek Jeter's record for a rookie in the postseason, most hits. I just, yeah, I'm kind of shocked by that. And another guy, you know, we've stayed in touch with him, whether, you know, I was his first interview when he came up with, with the Oakland Athletics. And then, you know, when you guys were out last year, we had him at our little set there over by the dugout. Joey Wendell is a really special guy. We've always liked him, a really nice kid. And boy, what he's doing for you guys, especially defensively. Talk about Joey. I know he's third. He's not a kid anymore, but I mean, he's just been fabulous for you guys. Uh, he's one of my favorites. Uh, you know, a guy that could be a plus defender at any position you play him at. And uh, the other day, he put on an absolute clinic over there at third base. Uh, I think Dusty Baker compared him to uh, Craig Nettles and uh, Brooks Robinson with some of the plays that he was making the other day against the Astros. And, you know, he's a quiet, uh, unassuming kind of player. I mean, uh, you know, we look back at this past season, and we named, uh, you know, uh, uh, Brandon Lau as our MVP at 260-something with I think it was 14 home runs and 30 or 40 RBI, somewhere around there. And then you go look at, uh, you know, the numbers that Joey Wendell put up offensively. He hit in the mid to upper 280s. He uh, had a handful of homers. He stole some bases, got some doubles. He played great defense. I mean, Joey is uh, one of those guys that's going to help make your team uh, win ball games by doing the little things. And then yesterday, an 0-2 pitch, able to fight it off and uh, get his first 0-2 hit here this season. I think he'd been 0-for-22 in that regard uh, coming into that at bat. So, uh, you know, you're going to win a lot of ball games when you have a Joey Wendell on your team and uh, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. And I'm so happy for him because last year uh, was a kind of an injury marred season for him. He never really got a chance to get on track because the year before that, he was a big reason why the Rays won 90 games. He really was. And so uh, happy for Joey. Uh, the things that he does, he works hard, he plays hard, and uh, you're going to win a lot of games when you have a Joey Wendell on your team. Well, you're going to win a lot of games, too, when you got the big kid on the mound tonight in glass now, uh, the 27-year-old. Uh, who, uh, you know, his talent, I mean, his, his fastball breaking ball combination is good as anybody. Uh, what do you think he can give the ball club tonight? Cause obviously you'd like to see some innings help out this bullpen. Yeah. You know, he, he's, I think one of our only guys that has gone through seven innings so far this season, you know, the, the thing is what he's got to do is he's got to make pitches early in the count. Uh, I think, you know, the biggest thing with this Astros team that I've been impressed with is the fact that they don't strike out a lot. And we've got a strikeout staff. I think our staff was among the league leaders in strikeouts, both as starters and relievers. And uh, we've had a heck of a time trying to strike them out. So in game one, Blake Snell, who is a, a guy that really likes the strikeout, uh, was trying to make strikeout pitches from pitch one. And the next thing you know, things would go from 0-2 to 3-2. and And he's had 100 pitches after five innings and had to get him out of the game. Same thing, you know, Charlie Morton got uh, into a little trouble while doing some of that. Uh, you know, again, not as much of a strikeout guy, but just could not get uh, particular pitches by the Astros. So Tyler's a strikeout guy. He's got wicked stuff. He's got some of the most swing and miss stuff of anybody on the team, but still make a pitch early in the count. I talked to Jim Hickey, our old uh, pitching coach, the other day uh, and asked him about the uh, the goings-on here, and he said what he would tell his guys is make them hit it. Don't let them hit it, 
make them hit it. And I guess there's a subtle, uh, not even that subtle of a line between that where, you know, you make a good pitch. Most good pitches aren't going to be hit all that far. There's going to be an occasional good pitch that's going to get hit, but uh, make the good pitch, make them hit it, try and get them early in the count. And for us, I would love to see uh, Glass now get us into the sixth inning or seventh and then hand it over to the stable to try and wrap it up. You know, let's end on this. And next time we hook up, though, I want to talk about your days with Notre Dame football because I think like a lot of people out west don't really realize how truly big Notre Dame football is. But uh, I, I want to end on this. You know, I think about guys like Mike Fires, Aroldis Chapman, Clayton Kershaw, uh, Mike Bolsinger, the journeyman who couldn't get anybody out at Minute Maid Park, sent down, never seen again. I know when we played the Astros, people around baseball were telling me that I know, man, everybody's rooting for the A's. And I think of the 28 teams that are not a part of this series, even the teams that are playing in the NLCS. Do you get that sense that all of Major League Baseball right now are Rays fans and want to see you guys close this thing out? I think there's a lot of animosity toward the Astros. There's no doubt about it, and uh, deservedly so. Uh, you know, again, for what they did and for the way that they, uh, you know, supposedly apologized when it was all said and done. So I, I know that, you know, again, when we were uh, playing the Yankees, I was getting a lot of text messages and, uh, you know, tweets from fans across the country saying, you know, come on, just knock the Yankees off. Let's go. And from a standpoint, from a personal standpoint, living in the Tampa Bay area where the Yankees spring train, where uh, a lot of Yankee people live because their uh, minor league operations are right there. You see a lot of people uh, floating around our area with Yankee hats. Uh, that was a huge, huge series win for us. Uh, and so now here we go play the Astros. And, yes, there's a lot of animosity toward that team. I, I think, again, there's a lot of people around Major League Baseball that have loved what has happened so far, and especially um, maybe, again, with Altuve having his issues defensively. So uh, we hope to keep everybody happy. We hope that uh, all, everybody's going to be celebrating tonight as the Rays try to, uh, again, beat this uh, tough Astro team because we don't get them tonight. Uh, they, they get their, we, we've got a very young pitcher maybe pitching tomorrow and Josh Fleming. And then they've got their two big pitchers waiting for us in game six and seven. So, um, you know, this thing's far from over. Uh, we, we need to get this one done tonight so we could uh, get home for a few days, rest up, and get ready for the World Series. Well, I remember when we talked to Kevin Cash, we talked about how in a lot of ways the uh, A's and Rays are like twins. And mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're rooting for you guys. There's no question about it. And by the way, the radio broadcast sounds great. I'll be listening in tonight on XM. Good luck tonight, and hopefully we'll talk to you when you're in Arlington for the World Series. That sounds good. I'd love to do it, Chris. Thanks for taking the time. Good guy, good broadcaster, and cannot wait. To see them go down early would be phenomenal. And, by the way, a record 11 runs scored by the Los Angeles Dodgers in the first inning. And you know what I do, strategy-wise, Commander? What's that? I, uh, I'm not saying I punt, but I'm not throwing anybody good out there. I'm going to try and do everything I can, and if I have to end up going with a position player to end this game, I'm going to do it if I'm the Braves. Pablo Sandoval. People want to see it. Ooh. You ready for a little buying or selling? Uh, yes, sir. Give me one second. I was, I, I was going to – I had the highlight ready of Max Muncy's Grand Slam, so it threw me off a little bit. It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. All right, so 
we, you and I kind of touched on this earlier today, but it's time to bring the audience up to uh, speed. Hal Steinbrenner, the one of the uh, owners of the Yankees, said on Tuesday that he was very disappointed with the Yankees' inconsistent play throughout the 2020 season, believing that his team was capable of achieving much more than a five-game exit after facing the Rays in the American League Division Series. He was on the Michael K. Show, the voice of the Yankees, on Yes Network on ESPN New York 9. 98.7. We invested a lot of time, energy, money into this team last offseason, and we all felt that we had a lot. Uh, we all felt we had a team that could win a championship. We failed to do that. Now, Aaron Boone took the team to a 33-27 um, and 27 record during the pandemic-shortened season, and he was one of uh, – he became the first manager in, uh, ever to win 100 games in his first two, two years. He has an option going into 2021, and Steinbrenner said, Aaron Boone is a good baseball man. He's a good leader. He has respect to the players. Aaron Boone will be back next year. That's just a fact. Buying or selling, the Yankees consider moving on from Aaron Boone. I'm selling. If you like him, if you like him so much, why don't you resign him? I, you know what? To me, at this point, where they are. And I'm sure some people will disagree with me. And it's kind of like the way the Astros have been. I mean, it's a plug and play. When you got that much talent, are you trying to tell me Chris Townsend couldn't get in the Yankee pinstripes and manage the Yankees to to the playoffs? I mean, you might need need to put together a staff with Ray Fossey. And can I be the analytics guy in uniform? But I I think we can get it done. I mean, seriously. Dusty Baker stepped in for A.J. Hinch, made the playoffs. Joe Girardi and the Yankees have been to the playoffs all these years. What happens? Eh, they put in Aaron Boone. Now they're in the playoffs. I mean, seriously. You could put, like, how bad, if, if they don't have injuries, do you think anybody could screw that up, the Yankees not making the postseason right now in the way baseball is? In a division where you've got teams that are tanking and the American League teams are tanking, you don't you don't think somebody off the street can't manage them to at least ninety wins? Oh, I think there could be a lot of guys. I think there are a lot of guys that would they, that would uh, have trouble with that job. I won't mention any names, but there's a guy that I think of that I know you aren't very fond of that would probably not have much. Success. I don't think he screws it up. I don't think. <laughs> I mean, Dusty Baker rolls out. Dusty Baker is how old? He's this is his fifth. Fifth team, he's taking to the playoffs. I mean, Dusty Baker rolled in. They made, it's it's talent. When you have that much talent, you're going to the – you don't think anybody could roll in and manage the Dodgers of the postseason right now? Well, I mean, with the way they're winning 11 nothing right now, I mean, if they keep hitting like that, they, I think you can really plug and play anyone there for that manager. But we'll get to Dave Roberts in a minute. So, But, but, here, but, but here, here's the rub, is that analytics and front offices – have so much control over how the lineup is done every day. Remember, we have Buster only. We got to get that cut when I ask Buster about that. So when people say, well, why doesn't Melvin do this? And why doesn't Melvin do that? The front offices have a lot of say. And people go, well, that's not right. That's baseball today. Can you get me that cut from last week when Buster said, you're right. The front offices play a huge part in day-to-day operations of how the team is run on the field. So if you if you, if you blame Girardi, and then now you're blaming blaming Boone. What point does Brian Cashman and his and his staff and his he's got what twenty people in his analytic department? 
At what point do they have to start the pointing the finger at themselves? Yeah. And Cashman said earlier, just like uh, Theo Epstein said once before, Aaron Boone is not a puppet. You don't put Rossi in there, I'm <laughs> telling you right now. Okay, so we're, well, as we're watching the Braves currently losing 11 nothing. They have guys on first and second with two outs. Ozzy Albies is coming up. But the, Ra- but the Braves come into this game. We're rolling in the postseason. They were currently they're currently seven to zero. One of the reasons is Freddie Freeman. Freeman is hitting three seventy five in the N- in the NLCS. He has two homers and four RBIs. Many believe Freddie Freeman should be the NL MVP for the regular season after hitting three forty one with thirteen homers, fifty three RBI, and a one thousand and two. Uh, I think it was one thousand point one zero two OPS. He finished in the top ten of MVP voting four times already in his career. And Mark DeRosa, a friend of this program and of MLB Network, made a comment about Freeman that stood out to me today. He said he's he's his generation's Chipper Jones. He will go down as one of the greatest Braves of all time. Now, Freddie Freeman's left-handed and Chipper's a switch hitter, but I went back and looked, and if you look at their career numbers their first 10 years, they aren't as far apart as you would think. Buying or selling Freddie Freeman as this generation's Chipper Jones. So you're telling me. Right now, D-Row, who is a complete and utter honk for the Atlanta Braves because he lives in the Atlanta area. You're trying to tell me Freddie Freeman's a Hall of Famer? No, no. not yet. No, wait, 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 wait. You just compared him to Chipper Jones. Chipper Jones is a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Was a no-doubt Hall of Famer. Am I correct on that one? Yeah, well, I mean... He was a Hall of Fame. He was no doubt. There was only one no doubt Hall of Famer, and that'd be Mariano Rivera. Um, I don't know how you – you don't vote for Chipper. I don't know how you don't vote for Chipper Jones. But uh, let's get this straight. Mark DeRosa compared them. I, I didn't compare them. I just said their numbers are similar the first 10 years in the league. I mean, Chipper had a 300 batting average for his career. You, you don't think that matters. That's fine. Chipper Jones hit 1,623 RBIs. 468 home runs, uh, showed up in huge moments. I mean, he got 97.2% of the vote first ballot. I, I, No offense to Freddie. Freddie's had a terrific career. But Freddie's 30. I mean, you think he's going to have the numbers of Chipper Jones and the relevance of what Chipper Jones was? Uh, no, but I do think he's a – I mean – I think he's the guy that you look to as the leader on the Braves right now because Acuna is still too young and Albies is young. And a lot of these guys are still really – I mean, their whole team's young besides Freeman. He's the only guy I think that's a major player for them. Maybe if you want to say Chase Darno because he had a good year are the only guys that are really – you can look at as leaders. And Freeman's had a great year, and he might win the MVP. But I think it's a little little too soon to say he's the – you know, this generation's Chipper Jones. They're, he's not even a switch hitter, so that's already a bad – Comparison, and I love Dero, but well, I just don't. I, I mean, I, I look at his best year came last year in 2019. 38 home runs, 121 RBIs. Uh, what was going on last year in baseball? Uh, there was a uh, juice baseball. Yeah. So. Well, in the postseason this year. Too. Really good player. Hey, he's a really, I mean, he's fantastic. He's a what? One, two, three, four-time All-Star? Gold Glove winner? But, I mean, I, I you know what that is? That's an unfair comparison. Yeah, I, I think it is, too. That's why I wanted to bring it up. But last one, because uh, I want to see what you think about this, because, well, we mentioned a little bit earlier. Anytime a team as talented as the Dodgers have been the past few years, keeps falling short in the postseason, the manager is going to take some heat. 
But Monday, Dave Roberts did himself no favors. For the same reason some Los Angeles fans have been frustrated for a while, his bullpen management. With Kenley Jansen fully rested, although he only throws like 88 now, Roberts won with Blake Trinan and Jake McGee in the ninth inning of a tied game with the Braves' best hitters coming up. Both pitchers gave up homers, and before you know it, the Dodgers were down 5-1. In the game, in a shorter, they were down in the series. Why not use uh, uh, Bruce Stark Gratterall, who looks like he's going to be the closer for them. He used him earlier in the game. and not Why did you not to save him for later in the game? But my question to you is, buying or selling the Dodgers won't win a World Series with Dave Roberts. Ooh, hot take. Um... I'm going to buy that. And I'm going to buy that they're going to get eliminated from postseason by the Braves. And I'm going to buy that they're going to move on from, ooh, this is hot. You ready? It's a hot take Wednesday. You ready? Let's hear it. Or is this too hot for you? Do you want me to save it? No, go ahead. Let's hear what you got. I say they move on from Dave Roberts after after this. If they If they lose? Yeah. Oh, Panic City in L.A. Right? Because what happens is these front offices, everybody's so smart. Smarty smartersons, right? It can't be them. It's got to be it. Because here's the thing. When you just said all that, like who are you using? This stuff's almost pre-planned. They're going into games. They're having manager. They're having meetings with the manager. They're having meetings with the pitching coach. If you guys get into these situations, this is who we want to go with. Front offices don't want to tell you how much control they have because that puts more of the blame on them. So they still want to put a guy out there, a manager in uniform, let him take all the heat. And that's why that's why the Yankees can't throw all it on Boone because they did it on Girardi and they moved on to Boone. Now, if they move on from Boone, well, if the next manager doesn't win the World Series, at some point, the fingers get pointed at you. I think the Dodgers will move on from Dave Roberts, bring somebody else on, and they better win, or it's going to be like, guys, you change managers. You still not win the World Series. What's up? And you can't tell me that front office for the Dodgers is not pulling all the strings. I mean, because remember, they won. How many times they won, how many times they won the division – Prouder Dave Roberts with Donnie Baseball, and they couldn't get it done. So, how many times? You, how many? When do you stop blaming the manager and start blaming, you know, you pointing the finger at yourselves for the, some of the decisions you made? So, we'll see what the Dodgers do. I have one staff for you on the Braves. In the first sixty-four innings, they allowed six runs. In the last four innings, they've allowed eighteen. <laughs> Not- one game. Well. <laughs> One game and what? Well, actually, it's two innings. <laughs> it, it's what it is. It was last night and then Basically, today. two innings. <laughs> hey, Cody, it's great to be back. It's it great is. to be back for the offseason. Looking forward to Friday's show if you want to tease uh, your big booking and I'll tease mine. So, on Friday, we will have the skipper, Bob Melvin. We'll have the president of the A's, Dave Cavill. So, we'll be on from one to four. And then starting next week, we're going to get back into our regular programming for the offseason. We'll be on every Monday and every Tuesday, breaking down all of Major League Baseball as we'll take this all the way through the World Series and all the way into December. That is our promise to you. No one will cover this game the way we do right here on A's Cast Live. Coming up next, we're going to replay the show. If you missed anything, well, you missed some really good guests. Ron Washington, Bob Nightingale, Ray Fossey, 
uh, replay of our interview with Joe Morgan and Dave Wills from the Rays. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back on Friday at 1 o'clock. Everybody be safe, and we'll talk soon. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.